see something strange Come with us and you will see This is our town of Halloween This is Halloween Greetings, friends, and to all who come to this happy place, welcome. It's me, Matt G, and this is Think Drink Disney. It's here where we imagineer the destination bars of the future, but not before we dive deep into the film at hand. So without any further ado, let's bring in the man who has nightmares but doesn't tend to wake up. You could say he's shaken, not stirred. Welcome back to the show, Lance. I don't know how to handle that show. That's pretty <laughs> funny, though. It was pretty good. It, was it wasn't bad. It wasn't no, bad. It was good. It was good. What are we going over today? Man, The Nightmare Before Christmas. The Nightmare Before Christmas. I have been giddy since you told me we we're going to start recording this episode, but it's like the age-old question. Is it? Is this a Halloween movie? Is this a Christmas movie? Like, where do we draw the line? I really don't care. It's 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 right along the lines of, you know, Gremlins and Die Hard. Like, does it matter? <laughs> Come on. That's a good comparison right there. I think those are both, yeah, like, very, very classic Christmas movies. And if you ask my, my opinion, I think this is like one of those great movies. It does You can watch the shit in July. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. But this one, it's a Halloween movie. Yeah, it's a it is a Halloween movie. Ask the director, ask the writer of the original. It was it's it's a Halloween movie. Okay, perfect. I'm gonna it's, I'm gonna trust Tim Burton. He probably knows best. Absolutely. So our assignment today is the Nightmare Before Christmas, or should we say Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas? We'll yes. get into that in a little bit. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that too. This movie was a 1993 stop motion animated musical dark fantasy film, and boy, was that a mouthful. It was the 37th film released by Touchstone Pictures and their first ever stop-motion animation film. That's true, yeah. In the list of Touchstone Pictures alone, it was preceded by The Program, September of 1993, and it was followed by Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, in December of 93. Yeah. The Program, never heard of, I don't think. Sister I don't Act- think a lot of people have. It's a football movie. Okay. Ooh, well, okay. That makes sense now. It was, a, Which is why I don't know a whole lot about it. Right. Because <laughs> I don't really get into the Disney sports films. In early 90s, for me, I was not watching football or, or sports movies. Oh, no. No, definitely. In the early 90s, I was still like way into my goth emo phase. Not that I've grown out. <laughs> of it but (laughs) i was not watching football movies at that point in time just a closet football fan or something no i grew into one but it took it took a long (laughs) took took decades it was based on a 1982 poem by tim burton i'm sure you're familiar with this one it was a rewrite of twas a night before christmas Mm -hmm. and it only had three characters jack skellington yep santa claus and zero and zero too i thought dr finkelstein as well was one of the original characters in the in the poem it wasn't no it only had three characters interesting interesting i actually didn't even know to my knowledge anyway i actually didn't even know the original name of the poem i couldn't find anything about that i don't think it had an original name okay i I think it was just had a working title of the nightmare before christmas sure he wrote Wrote it back in, I think, like 1982. Mm-hmm. Then Burton left Disney in 1984. Like I say, he left Disney. He was fired. Well, it depends on who you ask, but oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he there's said, some conflicting said, reports on course. that one. But he had worked as a Disney animator in the early 80s, like the very early 80s. He was a he had a hand in The Fox and the Hound and The Black Cauldron. That's right. Oh, yeah. Some early concept works for The Black Cauldron, I think we talked yeah, about, right? Yeah, exactly. Very cool. But they deemed his work a little bit too dark, and yeah. so they parted ways. I don't know what happened there. But after the success of Beetlejuice in 88 and Batman in 89, Tim Burton was really into making The Nightmare Before Christmas. And so he went back to Disney trying to get the rights back. And Disney was like, well, you could do it for us. Right, exactly. Well, think about too, because yeah, Batman, you had Beetlejuice as well. That's all Warner Brothers. Biggest competitors at the time against Disney. So I'm sure they were just like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can know. You know what? Better yet, come back here. Yeah, exactly. Let's make some magic together. Yeah. And they basically gave him carte blanche to make this movie. That's true. He wanted to direct it, but he was already contractually 
legally obligated to Batman Returns, mm-hmm. so and he couldn't direct it either. He also has impulse or a pre-production, I think, is what it was with Ed Wood at the time. Yes, during that same exact year. Yeah, he was a busy, busy man. He was very sought after at the time. Oh yeah, so. absolutely. But he wasn't about to give up the opportunity to make this movie. No, absolutely. Just be involved at least a little bit, which he wasn't really too much. Other than the producing credit, yeah, I think I think that we were saying talking about Henry Selick was saying I, I think he was there ten days total and like yeah, total over eight a period hours. of three years. Yeah, exactly. This movie had no sequels. It inspired no prequels. It inspired no spinoffs. And that was by design. Yep. Because Disney actually wanted to make a sequel, mm-hmm. like a computer animated sequel. And yes. uh, Burton shut that shit down real quick. You know, a friend of mine who you know that I work with, Julia, yeah. she was, I was t- told her that I was doing uh, Night Before Christmas. And she says, that's one of my favorite movies, you know, growing up. She absolutely loved it. Oh, yay. But she, she wishes that they would have done more sequels. Uh, like they wanted to focus on like each different doorway, like Jack right. and Scott, you know, adventures in these different holidays. But you're right. Absolutely. I think it was Tim Burton, like by design, there was some interview that I'd seen. It was right around the 2002 time and they wanted to do that sequel. And you're right. It was completely animated, but it was by design. He did not want to have Jack Skellington in Thanksgiving land or whatever it was. Yeah. Because like the fans, you know, the purity of it, I think that was the most important part to him. He didn't want to ruin it for the fans. And that's exactly what he had for the main focus of it. Do you know what the original sequel was supposed to be called? I don't know. It's supposed to be called The Unlucky Clover. The Unlucky Clover? So, so that he was, went through the shamrock door. That's exactly. So you can just kind of tell. Okay. That's kind of the route they were going. Yeah, I don't with, like it already. I know. I feel like they made the right decision. I totally agree. This movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects mm-hmm. and lost to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Which I get. I understand that. It was nominated for a Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation, whatever that means. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't, I'm not 100% chirp, sure what chirp. that award was. And cricket noises here uh it won a saturn award for best fantasy film and danny elfman won for best music well deserved absolutely and elfman was also nominated for a golden globe for best original score he didn't win who won that no year? he didn't i have no idea wow I didn't get that far into it 1993 i'm trying to think about well you got john williams yeah Jurassic Park. Exactly. That's probably... It probably was Now that I think Park. about it, yeah. Yeah. This movie had a budget of $24 million. I think it was originally slated to have $19 million budget. Yeah, 18 or $19 million, I think it was the original. Yeah. They were like, okay, we can't finish this movie with this amount of money. And they went back to Disney and was like, look, this is what we have. And this is what you're going to get for $19 million. And they were like, okay, here's here's seven extra million dollars. Go ahead and do what you need to do. $6 million, $5 million, something like that. 24 you said? I'm bad at math. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it went from 19 to 24 that would be five million and uh, they said here's an extra five million dollars 24 million dollars total with a total worldwide box office of 91.5 million dollars that is total it originally made 50 million dollars in the u.s that's just in theaters that's in theaters before like cassette sales exactly sales i guess at the time but it also made uh 11.1 million dollars in 2006 in a box office re-release when they re-released it under walt disney pictures Mm -hmm. so it was no longer a touchstone film it became a disney film which is why you will probably see it on Disney Plus or on DVDs that it says uh, Walt Disney Pictures now. Yep. It was originally released under Touchstone, but now it is officially a Walt Disney film. There are actually only two films from the Touchstone umbrella that are considered original Disney films. Yep, that's true. Or official Disney films. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit obviously being exactly. one of them. Exactly. And then, of course, this one, Night Before Christmas. I love you. are absolutely right. As Touchstone, it began off when now it's finally being released. Not finally, but 2011, 12 yeah. years ago from where we are sitting now. But it's always been Tim Burton's The Night before Christmas. Exactly. I absolutely love, even though he really just came up with the concept and he showed up a couple times. Right. <laughs> but he got producing credit. But it was his baby. It was his baby. Characters created uh, in the story of Tim Burton's, uh, you know, but if like for Aaron Sorkin didn't, you know, he, he wrote 
the social network. They don't say it's Aaron, Aaron Sorkin's social, social network. network no. David Fincher directed it, <laughs> that kind of stuff. But, you know, I digress. It's one of those situations that you probably would never have the absolute really cool macabre fucking style without Tim Burton. Exactly. And nothing has changed for him from when he was in his, I mean, he was what, 24 years old, like the uh, uh, the 80s, something like that, to where he is now, yeah, obviously. Real, yep, early 20s, yep. Nothing's changed. That guy knew exactly what he wanted. He knew his style and he, nothing has changed. He's got a very signature style, too. Uh, absolutely. So, should we get into the plot a little bit? I have never been more excited for an as you see it ever. Ever. This is even including, well, we didn't do it for Aladdin, my favorite uh, Disney movie of all time. I was saying that was our first one we ever did. Yeah, I think I started doing these right around 101 Dalmatians. Oh my God. And then you did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit? I was probably the most excited for that one. This is, please. Well, let me tell you a little bit about this film, shall I? Halloween Town is a place ruled by a manorexic skeleton tyrant who stole Beetlejuice's suit and is bored with his job that requires him to work only one day a year. He sings himself a privileged pity party about how cool he is, and he's stalked by emo Frankenstein princess and his ghost dog Rudolph the Dead-Nosed Reindeer. Slenderman stumbles upon some holiday trees in a deadwood forest that racistly omit any Jewish or Muslim holidays. He opens the door of a tree on a tree because shiny and falls down a Doctor Who portal to the North Pole. Skullface magically appears back in Spooky Town and beseeches a duck-faced doctor to help him explain Christmas with some weird science but fails so he sings a song. Frustrated by failure and jealousy, Skeletor gets creepy kids to kidnap Santa Claus so he can engage in some cultural appropriation by hijacking Christmas, traumatizing children, and giving Santa to an evil pile of dirty laundry with a gambling problem. Slenderman's terrorism causes frightened folks to call the cops and he's mercilessly blown out of the sky by what can only be an 800 millimeter artillery round. Creepy town citizens mourn the death of a dead guy who could take off his head for a laugh, which doesn't make any sense at all. Still very much alive, Skeleclaws hops a mausoleum back home because apparently all graves lead back to Halloween Town to rescue Santa Claus and emo Raggedy Ann doll lady from a cranky sack of bugs. Santa cleans up Skeletine's mess, followed by unnecessary kiss between living dead girl and Skullface, ensuring that Hot Topic will stay in business for a long, long time to come. How did you see this movie? I feel like you, you had a lot of really good points and a couple of these like really weird little times during the movie I'm thinking like okay so he just goes to this fucking little area in the graveyard and he just ends up in Halloween Town or pretty much mm, how did he get so you know he had to go through the door to get to fucking Christmas Town how the fuck did he get back to Halloween Town yeah apparently he just hopped a grave home he flies a fucking sleigh made out of a casket and he just goes to the real world. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure where he got that vehicle from. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it was a little bizarre, but yeah. I didn't want to get into too many weird plot points because I wanted to keep that thing under like 40 seconds. That was still brilliant, though. Thank you. Absolutely amazing. You want to get down into the cast a little bit? I love doing the cast, if you don't mind, the director. Motherfucker. If I may. I'll go really quick because there's only a couple... Henry Selleck, of course. Actually, this is the one time in history that I'm okay with you going into the director. Okay. Just because I think this guy gets overlooked constantly because it's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. And Selleck constantly gets looked over as because everybody thinks he directed the movie. Mm-hmm. Or that Burton directed the movie. Right, right, right. But he didn't. It was Selleck. It was Tom Selleck. No, wait, Henry Selleck? Hen- Henry Selleck. Yeah, Henry Selleck. Not Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> no he mustache. Henry Selleck. And <laughs> he didn't have the porn stash. You know, <laughs> but yeah, he was. And I wanted to talk a minute just about about Henry Selleck just because he was originally a Disney animator Mm -hmm. and then he started directing and producing stuff. Yep. So I am very okay with you talking about this guy for a minute. Yeah, he did stop motion directing. He was an animator as well. He did a lot of, I think, claymation sculpture, that kind of stuff. Not claymation. Is that the right thing to say? Claymation works, yeah. Disney. I mean, he did a lot of great things. Very, very artistic individual. Yeah. He's only done a few movies. I mean, three or four that I I know of and the three big ones that I want to talk about, obviously. As a director or an animator? As just a director. Okay. An animator, he has been in 
so many things, but because I try to limit it and I don't want to do too much about, you, right. you know how I can go off on huge no, tangents about thing. the director. Yep. But I mean, James and the Giant Peach, obviously, yes, which we both have seen. We both love. That's the claymation kind of style. Yeah. Uh, not Disney, but still. Not Disney. Yes, it's right. But great film. Monkey Bone with Brendan Fraser. Yep. Not, not a great Not a, not great a good film. film. <laughs> but Coraline. Oh, which Coraline. Which was obviously super creepy. I wanted to put this into my, as I see it as well. Okay. That it just absolutely launched a whole new genre of film it really did it gave every emo kid on the planet a way to feel special and unique yeah. oh, even God. though we all Corpse watched the exact Bride, same movies <laughs> frank and weenie like all those yeah, exactly films. and they were really they kind of started as a brain not brainchild tim burton he was involved in most of them but henry Selick as well i mean both of those guys they, they've been friends for a long time yeah. collaborators for a long time i love that you brought up the whole animation thing because that's exactly where it's all started but as a director he is overlooked absolutely i 100 percent agree <laughs> You fucking! I love. I look up. You're just staring at me. <laughs> had to do it. This is all I can saw you see my that? smile behind this <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, I can. I can hear your smile too. Yeah, when he worked at Disney, he was an animator for Pete's Dragon and uh, the Fox and the Hound, like stuff in that era. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of moved on and did more directing stuff. And then this thing, this movie spawned a whole new classification of movies, like these dark gothic, uh, you know, emo style stop motion animation movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm glad you got into him for once in my life. Good. Don't, I don't. I'm not going to get used to it. Obviously, no, definitely don't. <laughs> so, shall we jump into the cast? Absolutely. Yeah. So how about Jack Skellington? Which one? Should we do Danny Elfman? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? Yeah, the voice or the singing. He's voice. He's the singing voice. Which, if you didn't know that. You wouldn't know because the Danny Elfman singing no. voice just sounds just like Chris Sarandon, who we'll talk about, obviously. They after. sound so similar, which is actually why Sarandon got hired as the speaking voice. I did not know that. I thought Danny Elfman just took over because Chris couldn't sing. No, it was... Uh, it, <laughs> no, Danny Elfman actually got the job originally and uh, because he had written all these songs. Okay, I'm getting into too much Did You Know, but mm. he had written all these songs before the script was actually finished. Okay. Tim Burton was giving him sketches and ideas, and Elfman was just coming up with concepts, and he would literally take like two, two, three days and come back with another song. And so they had all the music written before the script was actually finished. Wow. And Elfman was so involved in Skellington's character that he asked if he could play him. And he was kind of sheepish about it. And Tim Burton was like, of course you have the part. Right. And so they let him record as Jack Skellington. Ended up only taking his musical contributions mm-hmm. because his acting was not that good. No, it was It was kind of deadpan and wooden. Yeah. And so they had to find somebody with a similar voice with acting talent. Mm-hmm. And that's where we got Chris Sarandon. So, but we'll get into him in a minute. Where do we know Danny Elfman from? Danny Elfman obviously has done original music for, fuck, we, we talked about different actors and then their laundry list of, of IMDb movies and TV yes. shows and, and plays, you know, that they've been involved in. Absolutely. We could spend th- probably three hours and then tangent upon tangent about tangent about all the things yeah. he's been involved in. This is another rapid fire opportunity, I think, going back and forth about a lot of the things that he's done original music only right, Excellent. For. We're going to do talent tennis again. You cool with that? I like this. I think it makes, makes the most sense. Absolutely. You want to start us? off? Sure. I'm going to start off with uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Nice. Mission Impossible. Edward Scissorhands. Black Beauty. Batman. The Frighteners. Wednesday. Men in Black. Darkman. Goodwill Hunting. Fifty Shades of Grey. Sleepy Hollow. Spider-Man. Beetlejuice. Bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Scrooged. Army of Darkness. Oh my god. uh, Should we keep going? 
it's a long list. Yeah, I have a, I have like nine more, but we can probably stop there because choose that, one more. We did Sleepy Hollow, right? If yes. not, yep. then Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Dun, 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 dun. Axel F. <laughs> <laughs> so much good music coming out of this dude. It's ridiculous. I agree. Uh, he was also, did you know, the lead singer and rhythm guitarist for Oingo Boingo? I did not know that. Yeah. But that is awesome. That's where he got his start in music. He was the songwriter, lead vocals, and rhythm guitars for the band Oingo Boingo. And if you don't know who Oingo Boingo is, you probably do. Mm -hmm. They did the song Weird Science for the movie back in the 80s. Uh, they also did Dead Man's Party for uh, the movie Back to School. Oh, the old, God. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield, yeah. yeah. Oingo Boingo was actually on a number of different soundtracks that you've probably heard. Mm-hmm. You just didn't realize it was Oingo Boingo. I knew Weird Science. I did not know about Back to School, though. Yeah. They did a lot, a lot of stuff back then. Before we jump into Chris Sarandon, I just want to let everybody know that Danny Elfman had more than one role in this film. He did. But what did he do? He also voiced Beryl. Remember Lockstock, or, uh, Lockshot? And oh, the the boogie boogie boys. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, well, it was one girl and two boys, but yes. Yeah, they called them the boogie boys, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Because Shock, they worked for Oogie Boogie. Shock was the was the girl. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, yeah. Locke was the boy. Shock was the bo- uh, yeah. Shock was wait. Barrel was the fucking boy. Yeah. Locke was the boy, and then. And Shock was the Shock girl. Shock was the girl. Yep, that yep. makes sense. He played Beryl, and he also voiced the clown with the tearaway face. Oh, really? Yeah. I lo- Dude, that's the beginning. I love that whole, like, beginning of it. Talk about Halloween oh, time. What a great intro. All the creatures it. we get introduced to during I that. Know. Oh, my God. You love them all, but they're so creepy. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. Absolutely brilliant. We're going to get into that later. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I hope so. So let's jump back to Chris Sarandon as Jack Skellington, the speaking voice. Yes, Chris Sarandon, man. There's got to be a logical way to explain this Christmas thing. What do we know Chris Sarandon from? The I mean, I don't want to take this away from you because but this is the the very first thing that everybody should know him from. I mean, we'll know him from a few things, but the one thing that everybody knows him from. Yeah, he's Prince Humperdinck from The Princess Bride. Prince Humperdinck exactly. Yeah. But uh he also played uh, Jerry from Fright Night. Uh, uh the vampire movie back in 1985 Fright Night. Oh, not the Jerry uh, Dandridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. Not yep. the Colin Farrell Fright yep. Night. The the original one. Yeah, he was in Dog Day Afternoon as well. Oh, yes, he was Leon in Dog Day Afternoon. Yep. Leon Shermer, exactly. Love that movie. I do. I love that movie, too. It's if you so haven't seen that movie, you need to see that movie. I know this is a classic. Disney podcast, and this is a really fucked up movie, but it's a, it's a great <laughs> film. Dog Day Afternoon is one of my favorites. No, I can't go wrong with that. He was uh, in Child's Play. Child's Play, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. Another horror film. We, exactly. We both love our horror films. Mike yep. Norris. He was in a bunch of stuff, but I think those are like the relevant titles. You remember uh, Tales of the Crypt? Yeah. Bordello of Blood. Oh, yeah. yeah he was J.C. Curran and that Reverend J.C. Curran. I forgot he was in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like 90 fucking one or something like that. And yeah. That shit came out. <laughs> yep. Bordello oh of Blood. Oh, my God. Classic. Tales of the Crypt stuff. And if you think his name is familiar, it's because he's probably a little less famous than his ex-wife. Yes. Susan. Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Uh, they were married for like 20 years back in the 60s and 70s. And uh, you know Susan Sarandon. She was Louise. Yes. Thelma and Louise. Yes. Married to Tim Robbins now. And love this. She was also one of the three witches of Eastwick. That's right. That's as far as I'm going to go into Susan because okay. this is, you know. Sorry, contaminated. This, this, <laughs> this is a really big tangent. So let's move on to uh, Sally. Sally. Oh, God. Yes. Catherine O'Hara. Catherine man. O'Hara. Yeah. What's wrong? 
I thought you liked Frog's Breath. I went with the Boogie Boys, but she was shocked. She was the female version, the yes, witch. Yes, she was shocked. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But she was also, more importantly, she was Sally. She was Sally. Exactly. Or you, you called her Franken, Franken doll? What did you say? Franken girl? Oh, what did I call her? Um, I, well, I called her a number of things. And one thing I left out of my synopsis was I wanted to call her Helena Cotton Carter. <laughs> I <laughs> that, thought that was clever. That's awesome. <laughs> but I couldn't work it in. Uh, but yes, our uh, our goth Raggedy Ann doll, yeah. or whatever I call yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was, everybody knows her. Yes. She was Delia Deeds. Yes. In fucking Beetlejuice. Fucking she was the mom Beetlejuice. in Beetlejuice. You know they're making Beetlejuice too? Well, they've been making Beetlejuice 2 for about 40 years now. It's confirmed. Uh, It's confirmed. It's confirmed for pre-production. It's nothing started yet. They're not going to not bring out that. Michael Keaton. You know what the original Beetlejuice sequel was supposed to be called? Beetlejuice in Space? No. (laughs) Because that would have been awesome. You're not far off. (laughs) What is it? It was a Beetlejuice in Hawaii. Oh my God, like a tropical Beetlejuice? Yes. What the fuck? How? How I have no idea. I didn't get to read any script treatments or anything like that. I just, I I got a brief synopsis from somebody that was uh it was official it was supposed to be made uh but this is a long time ago this is like back in the early 90s early early 90s fucking terrible and it was yeah (laughs) oh no it was called beetlejuice goes hawaiian oh that's what it was called that's just as bad. I know. Yes. I'd be aloha right out the fucking theater. Ugh. But Delia Dietz was also, sorry, Catherine O'Hara. Yes. Was also in some other stuff. She made a couple movies. She's actually been in quite a few. But we're Kevin! Not a bunch of, yes, exactly. Yeah. Home Alone. Mrs. McAllister. Kate McAllister. In exactly. Home Alone. Uh, one and two. So one and two. Back to New York. Exactly. Not in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine. No, no, no. That's when Kevin McAllister. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many there were, but there were a lot. They could have fucking yeah, done 20 of those fuckers. But she was Kate McAllister in the good two. Yes. 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 The ones that are actually washable. And uh, she had a role in uh, this TV series that I didn't really get into, but it was funny. Yes. Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek on Netflix. It's yeah. fucking hilarious. It was really funny. It's got some really good actors in it. Oh, yeah. I just never really got into it. I, I hadn't finished it. I've probably seen half a dozen episodes. Yeah. Probably yeah. out of order. I, uh, Eugene Levy and Sean Levy, I think. Yeah. Are, yeah. Yep. Or Levy, or is it Levy? It's, Sean I, Levy. I think it's Levy. I think it's Levy is the common speak. Yeah. It's probably actually Levy. I just think of like the when the when the Levy breaks, so it's just like automatically where mine comes. But yeah, everybody knows him as Levy, so yeah. it's a common I, way of pronouncing it. I love that fucking show. It's super funny. But she was also in Best in Show. Never heard of it. Cookie Cookie Flex. So Best in Show had had Eugene Levy in it. Oh nice. There was you know, like the dog shows. Okay. Basically a story about Oh, Best in Show. Okay, yeah, that a makes bunch sense. of people taking their dogs, the um pedigree, I think that's what it's called. Something like that. Uh, or the Westminster dog show is what it's called. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's a whole... It's basically just a, a, a spoof on dog parents and, and how ridiculous they are. I could see how that would be nichely funny. Yeah. Is that yeah. a word? Nichely. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it could be today. How about the character of Dr. Finkelstein, the mad scientist? You will be a decided improvement over that treacherous Sally. You know this guy? I know the actor. You know the actor's oh. name? Oh. You know the actor's name? Uh, is it Bill Hickey? William it Hickey? is Bill Hickey, yeah. Yeah. It's William Hickey. Yes. And I only know him from one thing. I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff. I know exactly where you're going But I only this. know him from one thing. And I remember, I'm looking at the scene right now in and my head. fucking hilarious. It's so good. It's Chevy Chase's fucking uncle. Yes. In National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Exactly. Uncle Lewis. Yep. In Christmas Vacation. Yep. The old guy with the cigar and the toupee who sets the tree on fire yep. and and the cat. Yeah, the cat goes. <laughs> <laughs> he finds a dead cat under the, under, under oh my the, God. Yeah, it had nothing to do with him. But no, we're going to Oh go my on. God. I love Sorry, that. I got in the whole scene. And just, <laughs> yeah. I love Uncle Lewis. He was so funny. It's so funny. 
I love that's the only thing you know him from? That's the only thing I know him from. Andre well, Toulon. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but it's all, I think, too old for our demographic. Puppet Master? Okay, maybe not. I forgot he was in Puppet yeah, Master. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the only one I can think of as well. He might have been the Jerky Boys. He was in stuff like, we're, we're talking like he started acting in like the 50s. Like oh, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's a ways back he there. He was on his fucking deathbed in fucking 89 <laughs> when the National Lampoons came out. Exactly. So how about the mayor of Halloween Town, Glenn Shaddix? Jack, please, I'm only an elected official here. I can't make decisions by myself. Glenn Shattuck. So we talked about Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. We're talking about Tim Burton. Had a little bit of a Beetlejuice reunion going yeah, kinda, on here. Yeah, it kind of felt like that. kind of felt like that. Glenn Shattuck was Otho. Otho, that's right. The friend or cousin. Yeah, he or was like a creative collaborator yeah. or parasite. I'm not 100% sure what his character <laughs> yeah, was, he was dude, to I, the family. I couldn't hate a character more and also kind of love him at the same time. Right. There's certain scenes that he stole. <laughs> yeah, he, his, he totally did. <laughs> the actor stole those. I don't think absolutely. it was the lines. No. I think it was the delivery that stole those scenes. Yeah. And uh, just the fact that he got stripped down to a leisure suit and got <laughs> so horrified and ran out of the house. That was, oh. Because it was the colors. Because like, he was so like very... Uh, um, it's kind of a kind of a pompous guy, like very yes. artistic. He liked certain things a certain way. And very into fashion, and that, just putting exactly. him in, putting him in like a, a powder blue leisure suit was like the, his worst nightmare. <laughs> <He's cr> <laughs> 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 exactly, it was just beautiful. Uh, but I knew him from a couple of other things. I do too, actually. I do too. Do you really? Yeah, he was associate Bob in Demolition Man. Yes, he was. That's one of the things that I remember him from. I also I, I really like that movie too. I do Not too. a great movie. Wesley Snipes and Sylvester oh, Stallone. It was so good. Sandra Bullock, Benjamin Bratt as well. He was Father Ripper in Heathers, one of my oh, favorite movies God, of all Heathers, time. Oh, God, Heathers, Christian Slater. Yes, exactly. Fuck, dude. Yeah, back in the late 80s. That's oh, a, yeah. a sick-ass movie. It's a cool little, it's like a, that uh, grotesque, not grotesque, what would you call it, like a dark comedy. Dark comedy, very, mm -hmm. very dark. Yeah, absolutely. He was in uh, one of my favorite Stephen King movies, that was, which was such an awful movie. It was a great book, terrible movie, which pretty much describes everything Stephen King's ever done. That's true. But uh, in the early 90s, back when I was just getting into horror, nah, that's probably not true. I've probably been into horror for a good decade or two by then. But this movie came out called Sleepwalkers. Oh, okay. And it had really good special effects for the time. Looking at it now, it did not age well no. at all. No. He was Mr. Fallows in Sleepwalkers. Okay. And uh, he was also in The Planet of the Apes. Uh, Senator Nato? Senator Nato, exactly. Yeah. Not the original one. We're talking no, about the Mark Marky Wahlberg. Mark one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Marky Mark one. I'm sorry, Mark Wahlberg. You are an incredible actor. He mm -hmm. really is a God-given talent. But he will forever be Marky Mark to I me. I agree. And I will never not let that go. And you can't unsee his third nipple. I'm sorry, Mark. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mark Wahlberg. You are you are an incredible talent, but you will always be Marky Mark in my eyes. But yeah, he was, he was uh, what, Senator Nato. He yep. was the uh, orangutan. Yep. You know who actually directed Planet of the Apes? No, I don't remember off the top of my head, no. Tim Burton. Was it really? Yeah, Tim Burton did. That makes a lot of sense. It yeah. was kind of his style film. It kind of was, right? It has kind of his flair to it. It was a cool nostalgia to the original. I mean, Mark Wahlberg is no Charlton Heston. Right. Not even close. But yeah, it did kind of his like, kind of, you know, weird style. Yeah. Very different from what he usually did, you know, but. But still, you could kind of tell it was a Burton. Yeah, now that I hear it was a Burton film, you, yeah. can, you can kind of, I think everybody's with me. You're <laughs> like, pacing. oh yeah. Yeah, you can kind of tell. How about the bad guy in this film, Oogie Boogie? Ken Page. Ken Page, exactly. And now, with your permission, I'm going to do my stuff. 
There's only one thing that I will always remember him as. I've only got two. Okay. I mean, he was in a million things. Yes. You can look up his IMDb. He was huge into Broadway. He did a lot of Broadway stuff. Yeah, he had a, a great lot voice. of on-stage stuff. Oh, oh my God. His presence on stage was fucking amazing. And I'm going to get into that in a second, okay. but I think you and I are probably on the same page with the one movie role. Well, it's Dan Booth's All Dogs All Go, dogs to, go heaven. to Heaven. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. He played uh, King Gator. It was King Gator, exactly. Mm-hmm. But what I remember him from, because this was a really beautiful memory of mine back in the day, one of our my family's very first DVDs when DVDs were a thing, and one of our very first CDs when CDs were a thing, was the Broadway production of Cats. Oh, wow. And so I can remember being in the basement of my parents' house, like singing along with my brother to the Cats soundtrack. He played Old Deuteronomy. So if you're familiar with this one, you know who Old Deuteronomy is. I'm not going to explain it to you, but right. if you're familiar with the production of Cats, mm-hmm. he was the original Old Deuteronomy on stage and then on film and on the audio recording. I'm familiar with, uh, obviously, it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right? It is, yeah. You did Cats. A lot of the music I'm familiar with, I am, you know, kind of embarrassed to say, I love music. I've never seen Cats, ever. Seriously? Yeah, never seen Cats. It's kind of crazy, because I've seen his other works, like Fan of the Opera, obviously. Uh, one of his most famous, but Cats, obviously, yeah. is still right up there. But yeah, some of the early works, because the, the remake of Cats was just a fucking atrocious, from what I understand. Oh, no, we're not talking about the movie. Yeah. Don't even bring that up. Okay. The screen adaptation from the original cast, mm-hmm. the one where Ken was was cast, is amazing. Okay. We're just going to completely forget that that remake ever happened. I wish the actors could too. We're not going to talk about it. He was the original old Deuteronomy. And it's not the most memorable song in the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're a huge fan of the film like I am, you would remember it. So anyway, enough about me. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, move on to Ed Ivory Uh, for a very brief second. Now, you probably wondered where holidays come from. If you haven't, I'd say it's time you begun. Because you're probably not going to know this guy from anything, because I sure as hell don't. But Ed Ivory is who they got to play Santa Claus and the er, the narrator. It's he did Sandy the Claus. Sandy Claus. <laughs> and uh, he does the introduction. He does the narration in the, in the introduction. I was going to say, yeah, he, he played more than just Sandy Claus or Santa Claus, depending on what side of the door you live. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because not a lot of people know that this is a narration. This is a whole story from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And it is told by Santa Claus or Sandy Claus. <laughs> It's, so from the very beginning, the very first voice you hear when you get uh, into the forest, mm-hmm. uh, that's Santa Claus telling you the story. And there's actually much more to it. We'll probably get into that later. Probably. Because there's, there's an ending to the story that you don't really know about. Uh, and there's a much more extended beginning. Uh, so it's kind of disjointed and you don't really realize that that's Santa Claus talking in the beginning. So that was Ed Ivory. So we've been through two of the three boogie boys. Yes. Should we get into the third? I mean, if anyone has listened to The Flood of the Navigator, they know that we talked about this guy in extent. Absolutely. So anyone who doesn't know Pee Wee Herman. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. And he played the third of the Boogie Boys, which was Locke. Yes. So we know him from Pee Wee Herman. We know him from Flight of the Navigator. Yes. I think we said this before, but he was Amelin in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. The second in command of Rudger Hauer's yep, character. That's right. That's right. And uh, he was Tucker Cobblepot in Batman Returns. I just wanted to get into that because, you know, Tim Burton. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. 
Interesting. He had little bit parts here and there in uh, the 90s when he was coming out of his controversy, which happened in 91. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't really start coming back until like the early 2000s. Derek for real and Derek blow. for fucking real and I think blow. That was his breakout role after that. I think all so that too. That happened. was like his first like major role. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not really a major role, but oh. out of all the characters in that film, he was in like the top six. I think so too. No, I think so too. It's kind of hard to deal with. You know, got Johnny Depp, you got Penelope Cruz in there. Yeah. There's um, a lot of big names in there, mm-hmm. but I think he did a bang-up job. I 100% agree. Always been a really good actor. I've got one left. Okay. Can I talk about one more guy? Yeah. Then we can move on. Frank Welker. Mmm, Frank Welker. Yes, we all know this guy. Well, I don't know. Maybe not everybody. No, just, We've talked about him in the past. I don't know how many people actually listen to every single episode, That's but true. we talk about Frank Welker a lot. He played Zero, the dead-nosed reindeer. <laughs> and uh, he, Is that his actual name? He's just, no, I just made that up. Is, okay, I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I was like Rudolph was, the Dead-Nosed Reindeer. It's clever. That was clever. Um, <laughs> Frank Welker was uh, played Fred Jones in Scooby-Doo mm-hmm. for a very long time. He actually played Scooby-Doo for a while yep. uh, in the later years. And uh, he was uh, Megatron, Galvatron. Yep. And this is from the TV series from the 80s. Soundwave. Yes, exactly. In the Transformers. Uh, we've been through this, but I love to say it. He was Shao Kahn and Reptile yep. in the Mortal Kombat movie, the original yep. one back in 95. But getting into Disney stuff, he played Abu. Raja and the Cave of Wonders in Aladdin. Ask me which one. Well, obviously the 1992 version. Both of them. It's oh, he's played in both. Yes, sir. Oh, wait, did we talk about this? 92 in- and 2019. Yes, our very first episode did, we talked yeah. about this. It you're was so to, long ago. You're gonna have to go back a year or two to find that. 35 thing. fucking episodes ago for me. Exactly. But he was he had bit parts in like the he played a lot of uh, sounds. Mm-hmm. Like he did a lot of sound characters. Didn't have a whole lot of lines. But he was in The Lion King, Pocahontas, Beauty and the Beast, Goofy Movie, Hercules, Emperor's New Groove, Alice in Wonderland. Like he was in a lot of stuff. Uh, but we're not going to get into that stuff because we've been into it before. I just wanted to let everybody know that Frank <laughs> Walker... He just, he just it, like listed 60 things. Like, I we're not going to get into it. <laughs> I didn't list every character he we're, played. We're in it. <laughs> that could have been a minute. And uh, we already went through the director. Did you want to get into like the key grip or uh, anybody who was in... Cinematographer. Uh, anybody, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know what? Uh, Henry Selleck's assistant. Here's the thing about her. <laughs> no, I'm good. We got all the big ticket item characters. I think we did too. All right. So should we get into a little bit of trivia? Let me explain. Well, did you know? It can't, it can't hurt. Because this might take us a minute. Holy shit, it may. There's a lot to talk about in this movie. Holy There's shit. There's a lot we're going to want to talk about. We're going to have to cut each other off or you know, we're gonna cut ourselves off at one point. We'll have to see. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, let me start out. Yeah, please do. Hey, Lance, did you know that Zero's nose is actually a jack-o'-lantern? I did not know that until it was... I forgot which episode it was, but you told me about it. Oh, did I really? Yeah, it did was I already talk about this in a podcast? Previous recordings that we had done, and I, the first thing I saw was like, mm, I did not know that until fucking Matt pointed it out, given my 70-inch fucking gigantic TV probably right. helped me see a little better this time around. But yeah, I did know that. Super cool. Yeah. You know, Matt... Did you know? Well, I'm going to actually, now I can't say did you know. I'm like, you already knew that uh, the Tim Burton Nightmare Before Christmas was based off of a three-page poem that he created in 1982, of course. Uh, Obviously, after that, he wanted to create it into a, like, what do you say, like a short TV series or a 30-minute short or uh, maybe even a children's book at one point in time was his idea for Mm -hmm. it. This all kind of started because of his success uh, on Vincent. You know what Vincent is? Yeah, Vincent. That was his very first short film. Yeah, Yeah, it was his first short film. It was a 
stop motion style, exactly written, produced, and created, designed by him. For those who don't know, named you, after uh, Vincent Price. Vincent Price, yeah, yeah, his favorite actor of the time. You kind exactly. of tried to trigger up there a second, but I knew. I think I knew that. <laughs> I think I knew that. Uh, who also was a um, narrator in the beginning of it. Uh, oh of the yeah. Film. You want to get into that for a second? We could. Sorry to terminate. All right, so let's go into that real quick, and then I'll continue okay. on with what I was going to say. Yeah, because uh, Vincent Price originally did the narration for this yes, film. Yes, yes. Uh, but it was shortly after the death of his wife. Yes, you can kind of hear in his voice things had changed, and it just it just didn't seem... I don't know if it was not streamlined, if it wasn't consistent, but like it just wasn't uplifting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not that it needs to be uplifting <laughs> no. in this kind of a movie. No. But it was, you could hear the sadness in his voice. He just wasn't and, feeling uh, it. Exactly. Like, uh, Tim really wanted wanted him to be the narrator for this film mm-hmm. but it just wasn't in him at the time no and how do you so talk he recorded to him, the entire thing <laughs> yeah oh yeah he did he did all of his lines everything was done yep but they had to re-record all of it because it just wasn't up to what tim burton was expecting out of that role and i mean who can blame him no i imagine henry suck being like hey vincent could you just you know can you a little liven it up a little bit yeah, could you just <laughs> pretend your wife didn't die awful dude but yeah that's so true yeah. That's so true. Yeah, Vincent Price, well, that would have been a great too. If- this film actually got released, uh, depending on when you consider the release date. Okay. I would consider it 1993. It was, well, yes, that year is when Vincent Price passed away. Mm-hmm. That's true. Oh, God, it's true. Yeah. This was the July 1993. And because of medical reasons, obviously, but I think partially because of a broken heart. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's... Like, his medical reasons were exacerbated oh, just because he so was... So sad. He was just so done with the world. So, on a less... Awful note. So bringing it back <laughs> up. It's something. Anyways, Vincent. Yes. His short film, for those who don't know, or if you own the 2008 collector's edition of Nightmare Before Christmas. Like you do. In the bonus, which I absolutely do, actually. It's funny because I read this. I was like, mm, and it is in there. Uh, the bonus features. Yeah. You can watch Vincent. Oh, really? Vincent's included in <laughs> yes, that? Yes, dude. That's awesome. The 2008 collector's edition. I don't know if it's in the new uh, 4K release, which I haven't purchased yet, but uh, it probably will be, even though I probably own, I think I own like three different versions of this movie. I like to have the sing-along version, <laughs> the 2008 collector's edition, and I'm going to buy the 4K because you have to own the 4K. I have 4K. seen the sing-along, yeah. Yeah, the sing-along was, is kind of fun, but it's very unnecessary. You just put the subtitles on and sing-along. I know, right? It's just like a little home karaoke. It's the bouncing ball for me. Yeah, the bouncing skull? <laughs> <laughs> so you have seen it, all right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. Have you ever listened to the soundtrack? I mean, no. no. I mean, the official soundtrack, because the narration's a little bit different. I did not know that. It is actually voiced by Sir Patrick Stewart. So, I read somewhere that Sir Patrick Stewart actually did the original narration for it. He did. But now, it's is that the soundtrack only, or was that it's the movie? A, the only time you can hear it is on the soundtrack. Interesting. They replaced it in the actual theatrical release. Because, like I was saying earlier, there's an extended intro and an extended outro, or an extended prologue to the film that tells more of the story, where Santa Claus is actually narrating the story mm-hmm. and telling you what happened to Jack. And at the very end, he comes back, and Jack has like three or four skelly kids. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Doesn't tell you who they belong to. It's probably Sally, I, I would imagine, so. since there was a completely unnecessary and <laughs> one-sided romance there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's... he comes back years later and jack's got kids and that was all narrated by sir patrick stewart i did not know that that's super cool yeah hey lance did you notice that in the street band's bass there is a likeness of danny elfman inside of that I bass did guitar that. i did notice that yeah and you can totally tell looking at it is like that looks kind of familiar but unless you know what danny elfman looks like and he's a goofy looking dude kind of not yeah <laughs> he's, he's, he's got unique. an original look yeah, that's very you can true. totally tell that's that that's danny true. elfman in that bass <laughs> well you know going on with that 
Did you know, Matt, there's that one part after it's snowing in Halloween Town where the vampires are playing with the pumpkin? In a different version, which they did record, there was a severed head on the on the ice. That's right. Which looked a lot like Tim Burton. Yes, it did. I wonder why they took that out. They took it out because they weren't 100% sure if Tim Burton would like it. Oh, he would have loved it. And so they just replaced it with a pumpkin. And to this day, Henry Selleck regrets not asking Tim Burton's permission right. to do that because I think that's his one regret from this movie was not asking Tim if he could put that in. <laughs> Believe it. He just automatically replaced it because he was like, no, Tim's not in a good space right now. He's kind of, he's a little sensitive about this movie and uh, like he's put holes in walls right. uh, about this thing and uh, he just didn't want to approach him. Uh, but he's always said that that's his one regret is not asking him if he could use his likeness for the hockey scene. I believe that, man. I would love to have seen it, especially if Disney's going to give you full range to do whatever you want for the most part. Right. If, you, if Disney's going to be good with it, fucking just take as much as you can. Take, yeah, playing hockey with... <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim Burton's, Burton's head. Fucking severed head. Oh my god! Why would you not go after that? You know, we did talk about this as well, Matt. With our did you knows, you have this guy's inspiration for the poem though from watching holiday specials like How the Grinch Stole Christmas, yep. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and also a visit from Saint Nicholas. He also drew inspiration from retail stores. Oh, that's where this whole poem came about. Was because he was going out and shopping for Halloween stuff, and they already had the Christmas stuff out, mm-hmm. so all the Halloween stuff was transitioning into Christmas stuff. So they literally had like skulls and bones and graves and witches and all that kind of stuff right next to your Santa hats and your stockings and whatnot. And that that's where the whole idea came about. Mm-hmm. I do remember reading that now. It was like, it was, it was almost as if like as quickly as the Halloween was over, they were ready for have Christmas on there exactly. as well. You're just kind of switching it over. And I'm still pissed about that every single year. <laughs> like just, don't just wait until after Halloween to put out your damn Christmas stuff. It drives me nuts. That's how I feel about having the Christmas lights up and like, February. It's like, dude. Yeah. It's about time. Same way. But I can understand that, you know, people are probably frustrated with me since I start decorating for Halloween, like after Labor Day, and then my stuff comes down (laughs) mid-November. To each their own, I suppose. You should leave your Halloween shit up year-round, man. That would be fun, but uh, I'm a little afraid it's going to get damaged. Oh, that's a good point. Because Minnesota has harsh, harsh winters. It's unforgiving summers too, man. And unforgiving summers. Yeah. And so we go from like, you know, 100 degree heat to uh, negative 40 degrees in the winter. Right. And uh, I just don't know if they're going to hold up. That so some of my stuff stays up year round. You've seen it. Like yeah. there's still skulls in my oh, garden. I, and I love your guys' house. There's still a, a, a skeleton outside on the patio like year round. There's there's some stuff that stays you, up. You can't turn a corner without seeing a skeleton in this place. Well, not inside the house. Oh, outside? The house. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about outside. Well, Lloyd's always out there to greet you. Exactly. Yeah, Lloyd the skeleton's always out front. But inside the house, yeah, there's constantly this, this house is full of dead things. Mm-hmm. That's just the way we roll. That's, that's the way we <laughs> decorate our house That's, that, that never comes down it's just like little accents that come up for halloween absolutely hey lance did you know that in the scene where there's a town meeting where they call where jack and the mayor call a town meeting and everybody goes into the hall town meeting town meeting town meeting tonight in the very back row, there is an evil queen holding an apple. No. Very reminiscent of Snow White. Interesting. Go back and look at it. I wrote it down. It's about 21 minutes and 28 seconds in. Okay. 
she's sitting next to the Grim Reaper. I know the scene you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I know the exact scene. That's when uh, Jack is starting to show like the images, like all the Christmas lights and like yes. presents. Like, what's the present for? Is it is it is it because it's severed head in it? Does it have a dead animal in it? Whatever. Exactly. That He's part. starting to teach him about Christmas. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, in the very back row in the town hall meeting, I think that's the evil queen. I have to go back and watch it now. It's one of those dirty mats pausing every you, fucking I was just moment. <laughs> fucking say that, dude. You are notorious for that. I know. All right, Matt. Carrying on with this, if I may, did you know? Even though Tim Burton, obviously, we should talk about, was fired in 1984, given because of his commercial success with Batman and Beetlejuice. Yeah. Chairman of the Walt Disney Pictures at the time, Jeffrey Katzenberg, obviously saw potential in ah, Tim's Katzenberg, vision. Katzenberg, yes. Yep, good old Katzenberg. And kind of like an opportunity to show, what would you say, the storytelling and the technical achievements that they were capable at Disney and the Walt Disney Studios. President David Holbrook as well also agreed later on, being quoted as saying that Disney knows how to think outside the envelope and still do different and unusual things. I think that given a lot of it we did talk about before, the Warner Brothers and the success, but at the same time, they're starting to kind of see, you know what, this guy actually is going to bring a lot to this and it's going to allow them as Disney to kind of be outside the box and be recognized, multi-genre and also bring in a different kind of audience. Yeah, it definitely took them in new directions for sure. And they definitely went a little bit outside of the box, which I think is why it got released under Touchstone instead of Walt Disney Pictures. Kind of creepy for kids, They still wanted to, yeah, they still wanted to have their hands in it, but it just went a little bit too far about around like what Walt Disney Pictures was all about, mm-hmm. but they still wanted to keep it. Like they, they recognized the genius. Yeah. In it, and so they released it under Touchstone, but I'm glad they kept it. This is kind of like the resurgence of Disney, I guess, was the time, right? Because this is just around the beginning of the Disney Renaissance. It is, yeah. Little Mermaid came out, I think. Exactly. Right, same, yep. right around the same time. Yep. Right when they were starting to try new things and they started to have a whole lot of success and this mm-hmm. movie was part of that. Hey, Lance, did you know that in the song, This Is Halloween, mm-hmm. there's a line that says, tender lumplings everywhere. Okay, what's that? Are you familiar with that at all? No. I mean, I love that song from the beginning. I could sing it from beginning oh, to so end. Tender Lumplings is a reference to the Oingo Boingo song, Tender Lumplings. Oh, Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman threw his own song in there. Easter egg in there for his fucking band. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. I thought that was kind of cool. That is super fucking cool. Obviously, Matt, Tim Burton, this whole thing very close to his heart, couldn't direct it, which we did talk about. Yeah. There was also kind of a big barrier because, I mean, let's think about this. There was a the process of the stop animation, uh, it'd be painstakingly tedious and time consuming with his commitments to Batman Returns and Ed Wood. He couldn't do all three. Yep. There's no fucking Not way. a chance. Not one person could have done that. There was actually a big barrier as well with the kind of the creative differences with his adaptive screenplayer at the time, Malcolm McDowell. Former friend as well. Actually, Malcolm McDowell wrote the screenplay for Beetlejuice, if you didn't know that. I did not know that. So he had an issue with Tim Burton's vision and Tim Burton obviously had a problem with Malcolm McDowell's vision, uh, which later actually... Creative differences. Yeah, creative differences, which luckily for all of us, they decided on the musical version and bring it in. Amazing yep. lyricist and incredible composer legendary Danny Elfman to make the film that we fucking know and love today. Yeah, that's how Danny Elfman got the job. Absolutely. Little little creative differences. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason kind of deal. And I'm a big believer in that. And Lance, did you notice that in the very beginning of the movie, when we're looking at the holiday trees, there are seven of them? I did know that. Yes, I did. There were six of them when Jack goes to the forest. Are you sure? Because you yeah. can't see where the camera's behind him. That's why it's only six. But there are actual seven holiday doors yes. in the first scene. And so, all right, let, let me see if I can remember what they were. Okay. There was Christmas. Yes. Thanksgiving. Yes. There was Easter. Yes. There was... Halloween's a big one. It's easy. There was Halloween. There was St. Patrick's Day. Yep. And there was Valentine's Day. And? But in the very beginning, there's one extra door. Mm-hmm. 
and it's got a very strange symbol on it. It's red and white, and it has stars on it. Do you see what's at the base of the tree? I did, and I'm not 100% sure what they are, but it looks like they were fireworks. It's fireworks, exactly. Yeah. So I'm imagining that's a 4th of July tree. Independence tree. Exa- indep- I said independence tree. Independence Day tree, It's yes. an independence tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that one wasn't included in the Jack Skellington scene, but it was in the very beginning. Yes, I do. I do. There were seven, but I guess now I think about it. I mean, I guess I just, it's one of those things where your mind just fills in the blanks. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you, just, you see, remember, and, but of course we've seen this movie 1500 fucking times between the two of between us. Between the two of us, absolutely. You know what I mean? But I, I did know that, but I'm assuming, like I said, maybe the camera was behind him and it's just because it's in a circle it's not yeah. a half circle it's not a semi-circle it's it's weird how he's leaving halloween town with his door back to halloween town that is kind of strange <laughs> it's, it's, like, a, it's a shortcut back home yeah I mean, just jump in and take the slide yeah <laughs> and if you know we, when you leave christmas town just go right through the fucking graveyard you'll make your way back home exactly you'll go right back to all halloween town yeah all graveyards head back here no wonder if all chimneys lead to christmas town that's a good question. How do you get to these different... Do you have to go down a rabbit hole to get <laughs> that, like to Eastertown? I don't know. <laughs> you know, Matt, did you know when production began, obviously, in 1991, which is over 10 years or just about 10 years, I guess, because 1982, right? Yeah. So, 1991. So, so, yeah. So, nine so years. nine years later. Almost a decade. Uh, at its peak, there were over 120 workers utilizing 20 different stages, controlling 227 different puppets, Yeah. 230 unique set designs, and a finalized total of 109,440 frames to create this film. Yeah, that's a lot. It's insane. That's a lot. Fucking crazy. It was like a hundred, what was it? Like a hundred? No, it was like 76 minutes long. Yeah, And they were doing minutes. 12 to 14 frames per second. They said it would take one minute, took a week to yeah. do, to Sounds accomplish. About right. It's fucking ridiculous. Going out it's with a that- a massive it, amount of puppets. Holy crap. The amount, oh my God. Over 200 puppets. And the amount of perfection that went into it too, because they were kind of describing in the featurettes that I was reading and oh, the, the, the post details interviews. incredible. They had to do such- intricate movements and then they watch it and if it wasn't perfect they'd have to literally start from the beginning they couldn't copy and paste they couldn't be like yeah. minute differences they'd literally have to start from the beginning of the scene and redo it and it had to be very minute simple movements for yeah. it to be fucking fluid and they had like two to three well uh, uh, probably more but at least two to three copies of each puppet did you know that jack skellington had over 400 different faces 400 heads yeah 400 heads yeah well, the, I think the reason was because they wanted to allow like every different emotion possible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and another big deal because in stop motion animation, you think about what's the main thing. How do you, as a human being, what's the biggest thing you use to uh, display emotion? Yeah, it's your eyes. It's your, your face. Eyes. Yeah, yeah. Which he doesn't have eyes. You know, exactly. The only thing he does is blink. Blink. Did you know that he yeah. doesn't have eyes. They add like little uh, inserts, right? But yep, yeah, exactly. But he does blink. Mm-hmm. And, and he has- Disney originally wanted him to have eyes. Did you yes. know that? Yeah, they did want to have. have eyes but i think henry selick very was very adamant like you don't i tell you what i can display emotion without having eyes he knew exactly. it was super important because skeletons don't have eyes exactly no he knew what he was doing yeah he and he wanted it. jack to have that creepy dead look to him but disney was like you know what all of our characters have eyes that's where all of their emotions come from we want this character to have eyes and he just put his foot down and was like nope i can do this without it yep yep i think it was a very smart decision and i don't know how he got him to trust him yeah. But but they did. And it turned out incredible. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Yeah, all the, the facial features, like the, the different, the smiling of the cheekbones, like cheekbones, that's funny, when he's a skeleton face. And, uh, you know, his, his different smiles and his blinking and all that stuff came together to form emotion without the eyes. 
It was daunting, man. You know, not just Jack Skeleton, though, but Sally as well. But they did yeah. something different, which I'm, I, you, I know you're very familiar with this technique, the replacement method. Yes. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yep. So for those who know what the replacement method is, you want to talk about that? Where You're talking about where they uh, replace like just the face. Exactly. Just the face of the puppet. Exactly. And so they've got dozens, if not hundreds of different faces yeah. for these puppets. Yeah. Where they can just pop it out and pop a new one in, in the exact same position. So the body's in the same position, but the face changes for just those minute details like millisecond to millisecond mm-hmm. to give it that emotional expression i went through four different sources and i think the most common thread that i found it was 10 different faces and each face had 11 different emotions sounds about right so that's kind of what they did there and i think the main reason was because her long red hair which right? was a pain in the ass to animate oh, I by can't the way imagine but i think that if they just did the face they don't have to worry about having to animate the hair as well because obviously yeah. jack skeleton didn't have any hair think of any character other than santa claus's face that had hair in the entire time. Exactly. No one. Or the wolf man, obviously, but... Well, uh, the man under the stairs. Man. Oh, God, you're right. Had spiders in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> but there's spiders. They're constantly moving. That was just funny for me. That's <laughs> funny, but yeah. Yeah. Do you know what the most difficult part to animate was hmm. that the animator said? Was the part when Jack Skellington is reaching for the door of Christmas Town. The reflection. The reflection, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had to, that was animated. Like that wasn't a reflection. It wasn't a reflection in an actual metal object. Right. Every time it moved forward, they had to replace the doorknob with a different doorknob so that it looked like he was getting closer and closer to it. Right. Another thing the animators are talking about Sally when she walked because she has a very unique kind of body structure to her. And obviously, yeah. her, her interior right, is all like made of Frankenstein's leaves. monster, and she's yeah. not like fully comfortable in her own skin. Exactly. And the way she was walking, they had this concept for her originally, but because of the way she, that she were doing it, they just said she just looked fucking drunk the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up scrapping that. It's like a minute kind of like, like you said, like in yeah. your new skin, right? Getting yeah, kind she of, still looks kind of stiff. Yes. Yeah. But it's not very, drunk. It's very, but yeah, very drunk, I guess, in the, form, the, the previous <laughs> ways that they had animated it. Hey, Lance, are you a math nerd like I am? Ah, no. (laughs) No one that I I know. I just want to point something out real quick. And this is going to frustrate the crap out of pretty much everybody. But, you know, I love math. So when Jack is trying to explain Halloween in logical terms, Mm -hmm. and he's got his big whiteboard up and he's a, or a blackboard up, and he's drawn up all sorts of different equations. One equation that's got a strike through it, it's got a line through it, is three pi to the second power times 12 equals Christmas. (laughs) What does that even mean? Well, I wasn't 100% sure, so I did the math. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. But 3 pi to the second power times 12 equals 355. Do you know which day of the year Christmas is? I'm assuming the 355th day. It's not, actually. I just walked you into that one because I'm a dick. Uh, it's the, December 21st is the 355th day of the year, which is the winter solstice and Jeffrey Katzenberger's birthday. Oh, interesting. Which I thought was probably a coincidence, but yeah. I had to do the math anyway because I did the math on all that. Bo- that was the only equation that actually made any sense. Okay. <laughs> So I had to do the math and I was like, 355, that's got to be Christmas. And then I counted it up. I was like, fuck, it's not. It's the 21st. All the rest are just watching him do experiments in his fucking tire. You're thinking like, oh, a math equation. Let's figure that out. Exactly. We pause this and spend five minutes trying to fucking decipher. That's the way I watch movies. Oh my God. What the fuck? You know, Matt, did you know Jack Skellington appears in more movies than just The Nightmare Before Christmas? I think I did know that. Okay. Um, well, he was in Vincent. He yeah. was in 
was he? Yeah, there's like a cameo in Vincent. And uh, he's got a cameo in another one of Burton's films. Is yes. it Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice, exactly right. He's on the top of the carousel on Beetlejuice's head. That's right. So, it's a skull head. And then on top of that is like the bat bow tie. The bat bow tie, yeah, exactly. above his head. Yeah, yeah. But two other instances as well that I found, uh, because I don't like to pause, but I like to really research <laughs> very heavily. So, in James and the Giant Peach, which we talked about earlier as well, Henry yeah. Selleck directed that one. Uh, he was a skeleton pirate named Captain Jack, fittingly. He was mm. also, what? That's a stretch. No, that was true. I've seen that and I know what you're talking about. Oh, that's, yeah. That image is a stretch. If it, that's Jack Skellington, If then... you pull up a picture of it, you look at me like, that is without fucking question, Jack Skellington. All right, everybody. Google that one. See Please if we're Google. right. See if we're right. Keep me honest. The job I have for you is top secret. It requires craft, cunning, mystery. And anyone else who has not seen Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, you're not missing out on much. Uh, <laughs> I love that version fucking, of Alice in Wonderland. Oh my god! I love that. It's one of my favorite live action. His voice. T- I love oh. Johnny Depp, dude. I love Johnny Depp. That fucking version was. He played awful. a great Tarrant. Oh, I oh. loved that version. Oh. But anyways, the bow tie yes. on Johnny Depp's character on the Mad Hatter yeah. is Jack no. Skellington. Yeah. Really? Yeah. If you've, it's like multiple Jack Skellington, but they're like all this obscure and like abstract kind of style. I think it's like orange and black and maybe some parts of green in there if I'm kind of remembering correctly from the actual film. Okay. I'm going back and pausing that thing. Well, I can't get out of my mind, unfortunately, but I, <laughs> it's still there somehow. But yeah, he's actually in that movie too. Damn it. But I research, can't I never noticed that. But research James and the Giant Peach, Jack Skellington, he is, uh, was it Captain Jack? Captain yeah. Jack, one of if the skeleton, skeleton is actually Jack Skeleton, I'm a monkey's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get into uh, Adam's family a little bit? Yes, please. I All fucking right. love the Adam's so, family. Me too. And I noticed some Adam's family stuff in here. What? Some of it maybe, some of it maybe not. You mean like Charles Adams and like the influences of like his the storytelling? But and Yes and no. Some of it okay. yes, some of it no. Okay. I'm going to get into a couple here. I'm just going to throw together a few did you knows. Did you know there is a semi-pudgy ghoul boy in the very first intro scene in their big dance number with the uh, his eyes are sewn shut? Is that Pugsley? He's in a striped shirt that looks just like Pugsley's shirt. Is that not Pugsley? I don't know. It could be. Could be. Could be a throwback to the Adams family. But there's also a part when they're preparing for Christmas, where all the townsfolk are preparing for Christmas. Mm-hmm. At the 42-minute mark, there is a guillotine taking the head off of a doll. Oh, Wednesday Adams. If that isn't Wednesday Adams, yeah. I don't know what is. I can see that one more than the Pugsley for sure. And this might be a little out there. Jack's doorbell. Mm-hmm. is very, very similar to the Adams Family House doorbell from the original TV series. This okay. is going back a ways. The 50s. So you got to be a little familiar with the original Adams Family House. Yeah. But I think the doorbells are the same. I would love that that's true. And there may or may not be a cloaked, bald figure with pasty face in the very beginning yeah. scene. Lightning bulb in his mouth. There was no light bulb. Did I say lightning bulb? I think you did. A light bulb in his mouth? I don't think there was a light bulb there. <laughs> uh, but it looked kind of like Uncle Fester. Uh-huh. Uh, not enough for me to really say definitively. But I think there were some Adams Family references in this film. I think this is perfect time then because we both love our Easter eggs, right? We do indeed. You know, Nightmare, obviously, no exception. Uh, and the scenes where the kid receives the shrunken head, and when the giant worm eats the tree, that's obviously a throwback to Beetlejuice. It's gotta be. From the shrunken head in the waiting room. Yep, exactly. And the sandworm from Saturn. Yes, exactly. 
obviously you have the scene where the kids receive the presents from quote unquote Santa Claus. Right. There's the flying creature that attacks a little girl. She's wearing a Mickey Mouse pajama. That is obviously a nod to Mickey Mouse, I would say. Of course. And the duck with the bullet holes could be a reference to the penguins vehicle in Batman Returns. But I think personally. That might be a stretch. That's what I see. I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's a. I mean, it's a yellow duck. It looks very similar to it, but I it love does. I love the fact that it has bullet holes and the kid that it went to is wearing fucking Donald Duck pajamas. That's a nod to Donald okay, Duck. Okay, I didn't see that. As far, yeah, so the lady or the, the girl has the Mickey Mouse pajamas on. Yeah. And she gets the... It, it's a flying creature with like very small but noticeable round ears just like Mickey yes. Mouse. And the duck that's chasing the kid is... He has Donald Duck pajamas on. So that's I think that's a nod to Mickey and Donald. It has to be. It's got to be. Yeah, it has to be. It's got to be. No, I noticed the Mickey Mouse thing. The duck thing I knew, but I didn't put it together with Batman. I also saw that same sandworm you're talking about. Yeah. It goes in and out of the dice that Oogie Boogie throws. Yep, that's true. And I honestly, when I, when I saw both of those worms, I was like, that's obviously the sandworm. Yeah. Or is it? Is it just Burton's kind of style that's of anything question. snake-like? That's a good question. Do they all just look the same? Or were they actually throwbacks to the right. sandworm from Saturn? I don't know. When I saw it once, I was like, okay, that's obviously a sandworm. And then I saw it twice. And then I, saw, I think I saw it a third time. I was like, okay, all these worms start to look the same. Mm-hmm. I think all of Tim Burton's like, quote unquote, snakes look like that. I'll give you that. I mean, like Charles Adams characters in Adams Family, they all have that very similar style. You got Charles right. Schultz, the Peanuts characters, they all have that very similar style. Maybe Tim Burton's style is kind of, that's what his style of a snake or a worm would be in, Exa- his, in his universe. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Lance, did you know that Jack says, what's this, 18 times? <laughs> I feel like it's 1,800 times. but It's I- only 18 times, but is anybody surprised that I counted? <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised you counted, but it feels like it's more than 18 times. It's I only got 18. That's crazy, but it's like a two and a half minute song. I know. What's this? What's, what's this? this? And you would think that, yeah, it was a lot, and I thought it was going to be a lot, so I was like, hey, Lance, did you know that mm-hmm. he says, what's this, 67 times, mm-hmm. and that was 18. <laughs> Wait, how many times did it take? This is Halloween. But I, I didn't count that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's probably All right, pause the podcast. Yeah, I'm going no back. Shit, we're going to go fucking do this. We got to go recount. <laughs> sorry, it was one thing that I spent time on that I figured I should throw in just because I spent that much time on it. It was only 18. Hey, Lance, I'm pretty sure you do know because before we started this podcast, I played the song and yeah. you were like, hey, who is this? Oh, yeah, outside. Did you know? That Marilyn Manson did a cover of this song back in 2006. I didn't know Marilyn Manson did a cover, but I know that a bunch of bands did cover. Oh, so many people so covered many this different. song. Yeah, so many people did fucking. And of their all own. the people who were going to cover it, I had been waiting for obviously quite a long time mm-hmm. for Marilyn Manson to cover it because he was covering one of my favorite artists. Yeah. And he had covered Sweet Dreams, and then he started covering like all these other bands, like Creepy Songs, Personal Jesus, all this stuff. And I was like, when is he going to cover This Is Halloween? Right. Because this song like is made for Marilyn Manson to cover. Finally did it. There's actually a sync up to the beginning scene to Marilyn Manson's version really? on YouTube. It's super cool. To the movie? Yeah. Oh, I have to do that. It's super neat. That's like Dark Side of the Moon and fucking Wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. Well, this one's supposed to sync up, but it really does and it, and it works great but That's yeah you're cool. right a number of other bands have covered this thing the exact same year uh, I think like Sonic Youth or somebody like yeah. did a cover of it Corn did one too Corn did one yeah. yep there, there have been a number of covers of this song but Marilyn Manson's by far the best it was a really cool version and it you knew really it was Marilyn was. Manson right away uh, yes exactly the minute he starts singing mm-hmm. you can tell yeah 
One more thing that I noticed, Lance, did you know that the Wolfman is wearing Little Red Riding Hood's grandma's nightcap? No, but we were talking about the long hair and I said the werewolf and I'm thinking yeah. like the more we talked about it, I was like, God, he wore a lot of clothes. And I think about it, they don't have to yeah. really worry about the, the hair follicles protruding out. Exactly. Was yeah. he really wearing that? Yeah, he had a little cap on his head. Yep. It was a little nightcap. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just so... going to assume it was Little Red Riding Hood's grandma. Oh, you want to hope it was at least. Why else would he be wearing like a little nightcap? I don't know. <laughs> right. It was a door. But, you know, there it was. That's so cool. All right, let's wrap it up. Hey, Lance, did you know that the late Pixar animator Joe Ranft was a storyboard supervisor for NBC and voiced Igor in this film? You know, he I, was uncredited. He wasn't in the credits. Okay. When Igor came in, I was like, yes, I forgot about Igor. He yes, he's like two one scenes. line. Yeah, he's so... He says... That's all he's got. You're sort of a dog bone. <laughs> but, but Igor <laughs> was a character in here. Yeah. And it was voiced by a Pixar animator. That's named, so Name cool. of Joe Ramft. Oh, my God. That's awesome. And he did a number of other things, too, but I didn't get into him in the cast because he wasn't mm-hmm. actually credited. But I think he deserves some credit. I got some more Did You Know stuff. You probably have some more stuff we could talk about. I think we have covered a shit ton. Yeah, but I think we should probably wrap it up <laughs> oh with the trivia, God. lest people get really bored. For real. If you're out there sleeping, wake up. It's time for... For a concept bar. Uh, yep, time to get into the concept bar. Sorry for the delay. Yeah, no shit. You you can just tell we do not love talking about this movie at all. Oh, God. We this could do this for another half an hour. Worst one yet, man. Can we do a, a Night Before Christmas Part 2? Part 2? Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've done the cast and we've done the past. Let's get into the present. Where is this movie present in the parks? You may or may not be aware that there are absolutely no Nightmare Before Christmas rides or restaurants in any of the Disney parks worldwide. What a travesty. I know. We're about to fix that. For how well-received it was, and I remember the beginning, I asked you, do you think this is a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Yeah. I'm going to put a poll out on the Think Dream Disney community page. I want people to tell us what they think it is. Oh, I can't wait to see the results of that. I, I don't know if it was IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or one of the other ones, but I'm pretty sure Nightmare Before Christmas is the number one rated Christmas movie on that website. I was going to, since you brought it up. Yeah. I was going to say, at one point, I don't know if it's still is nightmare before christmas was at one point the number one out of the top 25 mm-hmm. christmas movies on rotten tomatoes right probably still up there yeah. then right still has a 95 percent rating oh god well deserved though too yeah well received critically acclaimed not a great box office result but luckily thank god like all of us i mean not thank god would have matter i would have loved this movie regardless but it has that cultural following that yes cult classic following that it's fucking has deserved from the beginning. definition of a cult film oh absolutely for sure it's a labor of love, man. The amount of fucking time and effort they put in it. Three years it took I them know. to animate. What one, one minute was a week each. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. Think about that. Exactly. And that's including the it fuck deserves off. deserves some respect. Oh, Jesus. It absolutely has to has to be. So we're gonna put this thing in a park somewhere. The yes. only thing the only place I can find that it exists Halloween Town. Is in well, there's no Halloween Town oh, in Disney World. Sorry. There should be. Yeah, there should be. But there isn't. So my wife and I recently got back from Walt Disney World and we did get to do this. Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Mm-hmm. It's an after party event. It's a hard ticket event where you have to pay an extra fee to go in. And I'm not gonna get into it, but it's incredible. If you ever have the chance to do it, go and do it. In Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, there is a villains spectacular in front of the castle a show where there is projection mapping onto the castle special music the sanderson sisters come out like all sorts of people in costume come out and they have there now probably i would guess i'm guessing about an 11 foot 
tall puppet of Jack Skellington who hosts the party. Oh. It's absolutely fucking amazing. Go YouTube that stuff. I know I've told you to YouTube stuff in the past and this episode, but if you YouTube Jack Skellington puppet Walt Disney World, it's mind-blowing to see it in person. Mm-hmm. It looks just like there's an 11-foot tall Jack Skellington on stage. You can't tell it's a puppet. It's ridiculously good. It's interesting to me because you said it's like a villain thing. Yes. Because I was expecting it. Oogie Boogie would have came out. Oogie Boogie is there as well. It just just refreshed my memory because we were talking about earlier. He's he's throwing the dice. Did they ever explain why he's such a big gambler? Uh, No. But to tell you the truth, I don't think Oogie Boogie is that big of a villain either. But that's a discussion for the villains episode that we should do in the future. Looks like I won the jackpot. You just fucking gave them a little heads up about our future recordings. Oh, it's going to be fun. It is going to be a fucking It's always blast. been a concept in my head, but Holy we want to get some, shit. some movie content out there first before we do yeah. some compilation content. We have talked about but, this in the past. Mm, yes, I'd love to do a villains episode. Yeah, yeah. And whether or not they were villains, like we'll get into Chernabog and all the, all the different villains that are or are not villains. Right. All the anti-heroes and all this, the remakes that we're doing now with Maleficent and... Uh, we, might not to, we might need to have a couple people on this podcast for that time, right? Yeah, that might need to be like a round table. Yes, that would be podcast. a fucking fun-ass discussion. But regardless, that's where I found him in Walt Disney World. In Disneyland in California, for about two months every year, they do a holiday overlay of the Haunted Mansion. And it's amazing. I was there last year for this overlay. And it is absolutely incredible. They can pull it off in Disneyland because there's like a big percentage of park goers that are locals in California. Whereas Walt Disney World in Florida is a lot of tourists. So when you're going to Walt Disney World from say the UK for the one time in your life you're not going to want to see an overlay of a ride you want to see the ride right whereas the people in California are like this would be fun and doesn't piss off nearly as many people. Right. Because they're just on the fucking road. They <laughs> exactly. There. It's amazing overlay. I'm not going to get into it too much. It's absolutely incredible. They play different music and there's all sorts of characters from the movie. It's super fun. There are Oogie Boogie meet and greets in both parks at both Halloween parties and at Disney marathons in Walt Disney World. Uh, Oogie Boogie is a surprise character, which I thought is a little weird, but yeah. fun. Well, he was kind of a surprise character in the film. He okay. was hinted at one point to the Boogie Boys went down and they realized, I think that's why he, I think he's the biggest villain. There has to be a villain. There has to be a villain. And there every, does. There has to be a bad guy somewhere, you know, right? I mean, some could say Jack Skellington because he ruined Christmas. Right. But he did kind of save the day and Santa Claus after coming to uh, fruition of his flaws and his mistakes. And I don't know. I, I, that's another tangent. Foreign contaminant. Foreign contaminant. Out of fucking nowhere. I, I could have gone off a 20 minute tangent right there about the whole concept of, of good and evil. But Oogie Boogie coming in late, that makes sense to me. And they did foreshadow him just a little bit in the beginning. Remember the shadow on the moon at night? Yeah, that's true. But we never knew what it was. It's just that he was just a shadow. He was just a shadow. Yeah. And there was actually a concept ride by Imagineers that had a coffin sleigh vehicle. Oh, God. Like the one that Jack rode to fucking deliver the, the presents to exactly. the real world? Exactly. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what the concept was. I've seen a few drawings, but it looked super fun, but it never got to fruition. They never actually put it in a park. They never, It never actually got into development. Terrible news, folks. The worst tragedy of our time. But that's the only places that I know, and they're all just seasonal. Mm-hmm. where The Nightmare Before Christmas is represented in any of the parks. So I think we should build something permanent, don't you? The fact that it's not there is, I mean, I would say almost sacrilegious. Right. No, that's an actual a great description of how I should feel. But like, you know, it, yeah, it should be there. It should be present, man. Good Lord. They made not a lot of money, but it's 
fucking so no, important. No, but it's iconic. It's and so iconic. The, the the Haunted Mansion is still one of the most popular rides in every mm-hmm. single one of the parks. As a matter of fact, there is a version of the Haunted Mansion in every single park yeah. around the world. Yeah. but And don't fuck with the Haunted Mansion by putting some Jack no, Skellington stuff in there. Not. Yeah, don't ruin that. Make no. your own standalone thing around Halloween Town. Yeah, exactly. We need more spooky stuff in the parks, if not just a little bit, like our Sleepy Hollow Tavern mm-hmm. and maybe Jack Skellington's Tower. That's a cool idea. Yeah, which kind of, you know... That's my concept for the I was going to say, now, you, it seemed like you... Sh- not shoehorn, but you kind of like... You, you made it very clear that, that was kind of the path you were going, which... Yes. Before I had the chance to ask the question, that kind of matters. What do we want to do with this concept? But you have the idea of that, right? Yeah. Well, I had a number of different concepts for what I wanted to do for a Nightmare Before Christmas bar. Mm-hmm. But this is the one I landed on. I knew already that we were going to be talking forever about this movie. Yes. So, I didn't want to talk forever about the bar concepts. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you what else I had because there's a bunch of them. I but feel like that one of your ideas is going to be probably pretty similar it to my probably idea. probably will be. What did you come up with? Well, I just or came, what did you land on? I, I had one idea. And the idea was solid in my mind and it was solidified after I just came back from Vegas. So anyone's ever been to Las Vegas, there's a place called the Cosmopolitan Hotel and Casino. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool speakeasy called the Ski Lodge. And the entrance is through a door. And when you go into this area, it is surrounded in a circle of oversized different colored doors. And you just find the right door to get to where you have to go. Nice. So, right there, I'm thinking like, this literally oh, is serendipitous. I see where you're going. To my idea, I wanted to have seven different doors and each door oversized in the shape of each one of the holidays on the tree. So, that's so why I was wondering like, where do you want to go? I love that. Do you want to go in Halloween town? Do you want to go to Christmas town? Is it, are, do certain doors open up to nothing? You know, you like, you open a door and like, it's Jack's going to like, jump out to scare you, something like that. It'd be kind okay, of so fun. Okay, so we could easily have seven different doors. Right. We can't have seven different concepts, though. Right. You know what I mean? But, like, that was my idea. I, we love our speakeasies. So, there's only one door you could possibly choose. But that's an interesting idea yeah. for, like, a foyer area where you could... There's the seven different trees around you with mm-hmm. seven different doors, but you only go into the one door, Yes, obviously. only... Yeah, well, some doors don't open. Like, if you, like, kind of, like, nodge on it, you could be right. like, we're, we're closed for business or, yeah, you know, exactly. something like that. It's like the uh, some Irish dude telling you to get the fuck away, you know? I love that idea. <laughs> the clover play, clover land is, is gone or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. But yeah, that was my idea, my concept. You could make it work. I love goddamn Jack's Tower because when you're up there, that is literally Nightmare Before Christmas. That is like, how do we even go about this? That just seemed like the setting that I wanted for a bar. And you can still do the speakeasy style. Right, right. Okay, so anybody who's ever been to Walt Disney World, mm-hmm. obviously this is where I'm going to put it because this is where I put like 95% of my bars. Apologize for that. But mm-hmm. this is where I, there's the most real estate for one and the one that I'm most familiar with for two. But I really do think it belongs there. So I'm going to put it right behind Memento Mori, the tiny ass little undeserving like miniature gift shop that uh, the Haunted Mansion has right next to the Haunted Mansion. It's not going to obscure the Haunted Mansion, but if I'm looking at the Haunted Mansion, to my right is Memento Mori. Even further to the right, they rethemed the bathrooms over there to Tangled. Okay. And off in the distance is Rapunzel's Tower. So I'm thinking between Memento Mori and Rapunzel's Tower, we put up another tower. Oh. 
gonna, so we're not going to see the entirety of Jack's house. It's going to be obscured by foliage, but we are going to see Jack's tower rising up in the distance. We're not actually going to get in this tower, everybody. This is going to be, it's going to be an illusion, but we're going to pretend we're going to make it look like we're getting into Jack's tower far off in the distance. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're going to get there by going back behind Memento Mori down a little path, spooky little path, mm-hmm. until we find our seven trees. And then we're going to enter through the one door, your idea. Okay. And into that door, we are going to go up our metal spiral staircase up into our speakeasy bar. Only our speakeasy, for once, isn't going to be underground. It's going to be above ground. Wow. It's going to be elevated. And we are going to have a view of the Haunted Mansion and of Liberty Square. And then all the other windows are going to be projection screens because we don't want people seeing behind the scenes. Obviously, behind us is like cast member parking and shit. Right, so yeah. we're not going to do that. You're on the smoke break. We'll only have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We'll only have like a real window or two. Right. But the rest of the windows will be looking out into like Halloween town, like behind the Magic Kingdom, there's yeah. Halloween town or something like that. I love when we can use our two concepts and like make it work together. Oh, we can blend these two seamlessly. Yeah, that seems like really fucking because I didn't have an interior concept. I wanted an entrance to bar, and so it worked out perfectly that this was the thing that you. I mean, I had ideas of like doing Christmas town, and you have like the Doctor Sue esque, or like if you went to right. Halloween town, you have that that like that German expressionism, or you know that like that they kind of had that style aspect that Henry yeah. Selick fucking created with his incredible incredible directorial design. I love this idea. I think it's fantastic. And like you said, it's seamless. It works out perfectly. And we're both going to leave very happy with this idea. I think so too. And I've got such a vision for the inside. It, obviously, you have to see in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's a great big circular indoor area. You go up your spiral staircase. You've got a vaulted ceiling with the spiderweb pattern, just like in Jack's house. Big arches with the big windows with the crimson drapes. And some of them are projection screens and a couple of them actually look out onto like the haunted mansion. Oh, yeah. And onto Liberty Square and the windows just like in Jack's place are shaped like bats oh, yeah. and jack-o'-lanterns and there's a gold telescope just like in Jack's place that's aimed right down at the Haunted Mansion Cemetery so you can look right down there and there's a library wall with a sliding ladder and all of Jack's Christmas books are in there. There's a, a fireplace that we can turn on and off. There Hanging are... Christmas lights to kind of reminisce. Like... Exactly. Yeah. Christmas lights, absolutely. Uh, all the chairs are going to be electric chairs or coffin booths. Ooh, I would like to see projectors of the fucking skeleton reindeer flying outside the windows too. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Exactly. And then oh. Z- or like zero peeking up through the window here and there. You can to do kinda, so much with projection screens. That's great ideas. I would love to put the cat siren in this, but I would be, oh. I would be really annoyed That's hearing happy that all the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, there'd be, like, frost on the windows, even though it's, oh, like, yeah. July. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, though. Jack's whole experimental table. Like, yeah. there's obviously a circular bar towards the center yep. where you get all your cocktails. And that's where you have all of your, you know, funny flasks and experimental, like, all your microscopes and that yeah. kind of stuff all over the bar. Yeah. His, uh, the bartenders all have pinstripe suits on. Oh, I love that just idea. Just like Jack Skellington did. I love that idea. All right. So, is that a good enough picture for the inside of the bar? I where, I think, who was it? Who was it before? It was Josh? Is like. I wish you talked more about the interior of the bar. Like, dude, that's the best of, of an image we could ever come I up was, with right I was there. really hoping, because I have a serious vision for this bar. Like, I'm I can see it all it. in my head. I'm limited in it right now. There's like uh, the Haunted Mansion cobwebs. I don't know if you ta- know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been in the Haunted Mansion, they've got incredible spiderwebs in mm-hmm. there uh, that look very, very real. It's all over the place in Jack's place, obviously out of reach, because we don't want people touching all that kind of stuff and bringing them home with them. Uh, which, it's also very difficult to maintain, so we can't have people like throwing right. stuff at it. 
keep it out of, out of arm's reach kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Unless you're Michael Phelps with like a fucking, <laughs> fucking 22 foot wingspan. Uh, but that, that's basically my vision for the bar is a circular bar in the center. Yeah. And, uh, you know, circular round of booths with your windows and your projection windows and your crimson curtains and oh yeah that's uh, jack's little experiments and you know his whiteboard with all of the crazy equations and one of which you can actually calculate on a calculator and uh, <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff on the interior <laughs> of the bar come on into the lab and we'll get you all fixed up all right so what are we going to serve in this joint uh i got some drink ideas you got some drink ideas i have a few yeah okay how many you got I got five. I have five, too. Kind of the golden number. That wasn't predictable at all. I feel like, <laughs> like we had a trend. I feel like we should just stop asking. Like, it's like, who wants We're to just go going to have five. Let's flip a pumpkin. Let's figure out who wants to go first. And I originally right? had six, but I killed one of them just so I could get it back down to five. I had seven. That gives you any idea what my concept was in the beginning. But, oh. Uh, yeah, okay. I gave it away. But yeah, I had all seven. Right. I'm down to five because all seven right. is a little obnoxious. But I think it's still, you got to go first. You have to go first no you know what i insist you go first this time i insist you go first this time just because i want to end on my fifth drink all right my concept is i have the seven doors right obviously each door to a different holiday or a different world yep i only did five though okay which ones did you omit uh, obviously fourth of july yeah i got rid of the fourth of july and i got rid of easter i thought easter would okay. be the easiest i don't want to do easter some would say that um well some would say halloween town would be the easiest we'll get to that one easter i thought would be the easiest anything sugar related anything egg related yeah like my alabrije cocktail i made for cocoa exactly bright colors really easy to do an easter cocktail and then lots of, of pastels July, in there and it, it used to be a bomb pop i think at one point right, it would definitely be a red, <laughs> red white and blue red yeah. white and blue like go right back to our national treasure drinks and i'm yeah. oh my god i forgot about that was the most recent one recorded yeah we've yeah. done enough independence today shit yeah uh so yeah I, i'm doing what i think makes the most sense All and right. i'm gonna start off with my first cocktail do you remember what i said what the original sequel was supposed to to be in 2002 yeah. of the next one, right? What was it called? It was going to be uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. The Unlucky Clover. Yeah. That kind of seemed like that should be the my first The drink. Unlucky Clover. This is my version of a shamrock sour. So in a cocktail shaker, at two ounces of a red breast Irish whiskey, a half ounce of lime juice, one quarter ounce of lemon juice, a quarter ounce of a ginger simple syrup, green edible glitter, add ice and shake well. From there, you'll strain over fresh ice and garnish with a lime wheel and a four-leaf clover stir stick. That is my Unlucky Clover. Very nice. Thank you. My Apropos. version of a shamrock sour. Sounds delicious. My very first cocktail is... Okay, well, let me just tell you what my theme is. Yes. My theme is going to go along with my theme for the bar, Jack's Tower. These are Jack's experiments. Oh, cool. All right. Or anything that I think belongs in Jack's Tower. Not exactly Jack's experiments, but mm-hmm. uh, there there are some of Jack's experiments in here. Maybe his experiments could be like, you know, he went to every other world. He just didn't wasn't televised, you know? <laughs> so that's why my drinks would make sense, right? If he just he visited different doors and right, different... Yeah. Trees. It'll be cohesive towards the end, I promise. <laughs> My first drink is called the Candy Cane Melt. Oh, okay. I love this. I remember that one in the scene, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, I do. The Candy Cane Melt is equal parts peppermint schnapps, Kahlua, and Mozart chocolate liqueur. It's shaken and strained into a frosted martini glass with a crushed Oreo rim, and it's garnished with a mini candy cane. Yum. Is the mini candy cane kind of gummy? Like a flaccid penis like it was after he dug... It really should be. <laughs> I didn't did think of that. <laughs> I thought about trying to make the candy cane kind of <laughs> no flaccid stripes. like that, but I, I didn't <laughs> think you'd do it that far. That's a great idea. Like, 
You should have like a gummy thing just kind of lay like over there, just, just flaccid. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just flopped over the side. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that first drink. That's awesome. All right. My second drink is going to be uh, called Bloody Valentine. Nice. It's my version of a love potion number nine. So in a cocktail shaker, add two ounces of a gunpowder gin, one ounce of cherry simple syrup, an ounce of pomegranate juice, one ounce of fresh lemon juice, one egg white, add ice, and then you're going to shake until frothy. You're going to double strain into a coupe Leopold glass and garnish with rose petals and pomegranate seeds. Very simple, very red, but bloody Valentine. God damn it. If this isn't macabre as fuck. Aesthetically pleasing. I love the name. Very dark. Yes. But that drink sounds fucking delicious. Oh my God. I'm so excited for this one. You know did yourself that one. Thank you. And this yep. will be in our future uh, uh, drink menu when we make it. That's fantastic. My second drink is called the Broken Snowflake. Okay. Not exactly Jack's experiment, but, you know, part of Jack's whole experience in Christmastown. The Broken Snowflake is Stoli Vanilla Vodka, Mozart, White Chocolate Liqueur, and Heavy Cream. It's shaken and strained over a large snowflake ice cube in a lowball glass with a cinnamon sift on top and a small, flat sugar snowflake garnish. Wow. I can see that right now. That's gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, it should be nice and fluffy and white and... Oh, God, yeah. I think the snowflake garnish is what... It, I, I can imagine making these things in like little molds where they're just like a centimeter thick. Yeah, I was going to say, you'd be very delicate. Like, a, what do they call Little tongs or... You got to grab tweezers to pick those fuckers up and put them very yeah. delicately on top of the drink. Exactly. But once it comes in contact with the ice or the liquid, it could dissolve. It could just disintegrate right in the drink, which could exactly. add even more sweetness to yep, it. Yep, precisely. Is that your plan? That is exactly the plan. I see it and I love Love that. That's super cool. Thank you. Uh, my third drink going in with my Thanksgiving style now because obviously this is Grave November. Grave November. Thank you. Yeah, I like that. Very right? macabre. I like clever. all these. Thank you. It's my version of a smoked harvest apple margarita. I made this one for you, which I do every every. every I'm, you, oh, you, I'm so ready you for this. Fucking wide eyed looking to be like, oh my god, I'm so, so ready, ready for this. In a cocktail shaker, add two ounces of mezcal, half ounce of Cointreau, four ounces of a pressed apple cider, half ounce of lime juice, a quarter ounce of a maple simple syrup. You're going to add ice, shake well. Take a lowball glass and rim it with a cinnamon sugar and a flaky sea salt. Strain mixture into glass. Garnish with a thin wedge of apple, a star anise, and a torched cinnamon stick. That is my drink for Matthew this episode, my Grave November, my version of a smoked harvest apple margarita. And Maggie loves every second of that thing. How good is that that you sound? use mezcal instead of tequila to give the smoky flavor to the apple, that is absolute genius. And the sugar and salt rim sounds absolutely delicious and delectable and there is nothing not to love about that cocktail thank you that was for you sir that was for you I appreciate that very much. That 100%. Was, oh, that is straight up my alley. My third cocktail I call Sally's Elixir. Oh, okay. This is what Sally gives to Jack. Yeah, with the butterfly. With the, exactly. Oh, God. I, I wanted to call it the broken butterfly. Oh, that would have clever too. That would have made sense. But uh, I couldn't figure out a way to make a smoke butterfly come out of the cocktail. So I'm calling it Sally's Elixir. <laughs> 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 I really Quitter. wanted to. I wanted to, <laughs> but no. We brainchild this one. Yeah, I, I just straight up gave up on that concept. <laughs> this is going to be green creme de menthe, white creme de cacao, and Bailey's Almond in equal parts. It's going to be shaken and strained over ice into an Erlenmeyer flask, and we're going to drop a dry ice chip into the bottom so that it actually does smoke. I see that. Can't yeah. get it to make a butterfly, but I can make it smoke. <laughs> so it's going to be a green cocktail in an Erlenmeyer flask that's smoking. That's cool. No, that's super 
super cool. I like that idea a lot. My fourth drink is my least favorite drink, and I'm going to need your help on this okay. one. You would think this would be the easiest one. This is my Halloween town, just for those, you know, just following along. Trick or treat! Uh-huh. Okay, so this is the Halloween cocktail. I had the drink concept. I could not think of a fucking name so bad. I started off with a macabre massacre, and I threw it in my mouth as I said it, but I didn't nah. something down on paper. It's terrible, right? Because I was following the theme of, of the titles so far that I've done. Right, like your dark holiday theme. Exactly. So I have now two drink names, and again, I'm not happy with either one of them. Okay, what do you got? I kind of went the cute route. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just for the first this one. This could be good, though. Uh, 364 more days. Okay, which, that's clever. It's kind of clever, right? Because, you know, when uh, the mayor's like, 365 more days until Halloween, and the wolfman goes, 364. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. I thought it was kind of funny. My other I one like was, it. I like fade to black. Oh, fade I like to fade to black. black. Depending on what the cocktail is, we're going to have to hear the ingredients first. But fade to black is a great name. It's a black fig martini. It's a black fig martini. Okay, yeah. so fade to black, I think, is what you should go that for. That makes the most sense, right? And or, black black could be like what you see when you die. You know what? Black 364 is not bad, yeah. but just shorten it to 364. Just 364, right? That's just what you call it, 364. Okay. But again, I don't really know if that quite fits. I think fade to black is yeah. the way to go. You know, I, I I agree with that. Fade to black makes the most sense. Let's stick with that. Yeah. Fade to black. I appreciate your help. All right, guys. In a cocktail shaker, add two ounces of Tito's vodka, ounce and a half of a creme de cassis, half ounce of dry vermouth. You're going to add ice and shake well. In a chilled martini glass, you're going to add a spider web using a black fig simple syrup and spray an atomized cherry liqueur over the top. Strain mixture and garnish with a thin slice of fig. That is my, as far as I'm concerned now, that's my fade to black. That is absolutely mouthwatering. But you're right. I I don't have a good concept name for it. You're right. Wow, that's really difficult. It's fucking brutal. I wrote this down, like I said, 45 fucking minutes. Dude, I went back and forth. I was Googling different, like, macabre. I was on a thesaurus at one point in time. I was so embarrassed with myself. <laughs> well, like, we've got a community of hundreds of people out there listening. That's I mean, true. Somebody's got to be able to come up with a better name than we can. Can you guys help us figure out a name for this drink? This is my Black Fig Martini title pending. Fade to Black is great. Yeah. But I'm sure you're right. There's probably something out there that's better. There are more creative people other than me. <laughs> and me. And I'm pretty sure that's 144 plus people that are a part of the community. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'm okay with certain things. There's got to like, be 364 people out there that can come up with something better. <laughs> Please. Than this. Please, guys. At least 364. We can come up with something better. Yes. It's, that's a great cocktail, but you're right. It deserves a good name. Yes, exactly. My cocktail number four is my deadly nightshade. Okay, yep. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I thought you were going to end in deadly nightshade. Nope, nope, nope. My my last cocktail is going to be, well, well, just wait for it. Okay. But my fourth cocktail is going to be the obligatory. Oh. Old fashioned. Okay, all right. Deadly nightshade. I'm going to hear this one. Deadly nightshade is Angel's Envy bourbon. A good, healthy portion. Solid choice. Of Angel's Envy bourbon. Blackberry syrup. Just a very small amount. Blackberry bitters and some dark honey. We're going to Stir together the wet ingredients, and then we're going to add ice into our lowball glass. Over a singular ice sphere, we're going to put blackberries on a bone skewer, and then we're going to put activated charcoal buzz button foam on top. Are you familiar with buzz button foam? I'm not, but I'm legitimately like, I'm. you could see, I leak literally I forward, just like, what the fuck is that? Interesting reaction. But what does it mean? 
buzz buttons are uh, Szechuan flour that actually like create peppercorns. Uh, yep, and that create like a numbing kind of effect. I know what they are. I never mouth. knew what they're called. That's what's going on. Yes, so you can make buzz button foam. We're going to put activated charcoal in it to make it black, but it's going to have that numbing effect, kind of hinting at the deadly nightshade. Like you drank enough nightshade to numb, mm-hmm. but not enough nightshade to make you pass Knock out yourself, like the like doctor or Dr. kill Finkstein. you. Yeah, what <laughs> most people. Yes, who can not you know they can survive without half a brain <laughs> <laughs> that's the deadly nightshade my reactive cocktail wow matt well you came to fucking play today i'm stepping it up holy shit i can't that, that's number four that's number four do i have to see my fifth one please <laughs> i would love to hear it all right so we are big believers this is a halloween movie right yes it is and we spent the entire podcast however long we've been talking and recording or however long the post-edited version of this is going to be i'm ending on a christmas cocktail for those who are now feeling you know what this is more of a christmas movie than a halloween movie this drink is all for you guys as you should i like it this is my silent night deadly night oh that's beautiful my version of a nutcracker old-fashioned so in a cocktail shaker you're gonna add two ounces of a bullet bourbon half ounce of cherry juice two dashes of a woodford reserve bitters half ounce of a pecan simple syrup half ounce of cranberry juice you're gonna add ice and you're going to stir pour mixture into a rocks glass with a christmas present ice cube then you're gonna garnish with an orange peel ribbon on top of a skewered sugared cranberry. That's a present in a glass for all you people who still think Nightmare Before Christmas is a Christmas movie. That's my final drink. My silent night, deadly night. Forgive me, Mr. Claus. The cranberry juice, just a bow on top of that present. The wood flavors, I love it. That screams Christmas Tart, to me. It's sweet, it's smoky, everything. I don't think you can make a better Christmas old-fashioned. It's for all you guys. Absolutely genius. Thank you, sir. My cocktail number five, my piece de resistance. I'm restless. I can't help it. Is my teddy bear necropsy. Oh, when he's cutting open the teddy bear to figure out the fluff inside? Yep, exactly. Okay, I'm getting this Exactly. And if you're not familiar with what a necropsy is, it's an autopsy on an animal. Mm -hmm. So my teddy bear necropsy, you know what? The cocktail, not that important. It's going to be delicious, but it's not about the cocktail. It's about the presentation. The cocktail is Smirnoff strawberry vodka, Smirnoff blueberry vodka, Campari, Aperol, lemonade, and a little bit of blackberry syrup. It's all served on the rocks in a lowball glass. Not so exciting so far, but it is when you place the glass into a small teddy bear's open stomach so that you can't see the glass anymore. Then we put on top of our cocktail some buzz button foam, which is naturally white. We added activated charcoal to the last one to make it black. We put some buzz button foam on top, plenty of it, which is white and fluffy, and serve it with a scalpel stir stick. Oh my god, that's so fucking cool, man. So we're cutting open our bear, and we've got our fuzzy numbing foam on top and our delicious punch berry cocktail underneath. That is the teddy bear necropsy. That's a good way to end it. It was fun though, right? That's so fucking cool. Yeah. So are we going to serve any food in this joint or are we just going to borrow everything uh, from the same kitchen as our uh, Sleepy Hollow Tavern? Well, you know how they have the peanuts at most bars? I'm thinking Oogie Boogie. So we do some fucking uh, some, some mealworms. I love that idea. We'll do some like, uh, you know, just like just jars, but it's not like actual Because worms. we can't serve peanuts. No. 
Because people like die off of yeah. that shit. No, we have like, you know, crispy small little mealworms and different fucking maggots. Like actual mealworms. Worms. Salted mealworms. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, like chili flavored mealworms. Oh, yeah. Oh, multi flavored. Because you said just like tofu, like in uh, one of the earliest recordings, it just takes yeah. some of the flavor. Crickets that we were talking Crickets, about. Crickets, exactly. Yeah. Like they serve at La Cava in del Pinocchio. Tequila. Now it's coming back to me. Yeah. Exactly. That'd be kind of cool. Yep. Some pumpkin like flavored. flavored stuff. Oh, I like, yep. Little mini pumpkin pies. Yep. Oh, yeah. We could do candy. We could do like the, the boogie boys handed out candy to fucking oh absolutely patrons yeah. that kind of stuff little trick-or-treat bags little fucking bastards walking just a around, little bag full of kicking your kicking your stool and- out and shit because they're little fucking assholes <laughs> <laughs> but i don't really think the food in this one is that important i agree cocktails. this is one of those things you come in there you drink and you leave exactly it's an experience it's the ambiance that's what's important about it. it's gonna be a very small joint too so oh, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be one of those places where you have to like get like a virtual queue and yeah exactly like yeah. we're gonna cram a maximum number of people in there like 30 40 people mm-hmm. and uh you're only allowed to be in there like 45 minutes to an hour before right. you gotta go you're only right. allowed like one or two cocktails I would say two like drink that. maximum right yeah two drink max exactly yeah. one uh, way in one way out you gotta get out exactly so there's not gonna be a whole lot of food options it's basically gonna be about the ambiance and the cocktails mm-hmm. and choose wisely because you're only there for two right exactly and you've got 10 to choose from so yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to come back and get another one at some point i just hope i get a couple no one's going to order the 364 or the Faded Black. <laughs> I think the Faded Black is a delicious cocktail. It just it's, needs a name. It needs a fucking name. That's all. We'll just put a big old fucking like, line through it and an asterisk. It's like, people are like, what the fuck is that? Like, just fucking try it's a, it. It's name your own cocktail. It's just like a choose your own adventure book. Perfect. That would be fucking so cool. Now, this, this just came to me. You know how the entire time, because you were talking about the mathematical shit on the chalkboard. Yeah. I'm doing all the experiments. Jack doesn't understand how to understand Christmas. Right. So, what if we found something around that like him trying to understand the concept of what christmas is i should have thought about that way jack's equation or something like that well it's too late now i know jack's equation that's great is it I don't know. I like that, but it doesn't really fit with the theme. It doesn't, because like I had like no. Silent Night, Deadly Night. We need a macabre Halloween yeah. name. We had Bloody Valentine, Grave November, Silent Night, Deadly Night. All that stuff is very... Exactly. Yeah. And Halloween does lend itself to macabre names. Yeah. But it needs to be that much more clever and creative, which is why I think it's that much harder to name this cocktail. Because it's the easiest thing. That's because, why it's so exactly, difficult. Because it's the it's, it's simplest. It, it's got so much going for it already yeah. that it really needs to be narrowed down to something, mm-hmm. something absolutely creatively genius and it's that it, it just makes it that much more Fuck. difficult i need your help guys i need your help so bad on this one <laughs> we're all gonna name this cocktail together yeah please i need yeah as much help as, as possible and it's gonna follow one point in time when we bring up poll it's gonna be is this a christmas movie is this a halloween movie or do you not just you just not give a fuck it's a halloween movie <laughs> <laughs> we know we're, but we're gonna we're gonna pull it anyway you know what we're voting yeah. yeah obviously but yeah we're gonna pull it anyways i can't wait to hear what everybody thinks i very excited to see uh, how many people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think we came up with a pretty damn good concept. Yeah. I we had a so great too. time going over this movie. Holy I shit. keep talking about it, man. How much time can we... Like, we, we seriously, can, we could go on for another three couple hours. Three hours. Let's do this. Let's set a record. This is possibly going to be one of the longest recordings we've ever done. <laughs> so we should probably stop at this point. But damn, we're going to have to come back and revisit this movie in, in years to come. I years and years from now. But I can't wait, man. Oh, my God. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks again for the invitation. Thank uh, you so much for going through this 
this movie with oh, me. Man. I've been looking forward to this for a very yeah. long time. Yeah, you chose me. He chose me, guys. <laughs> Happy spooky season, everybody. Oh, man. I, I can't wait for Halloween. Going to be here. And if you guys are in and around the area, for those who know Matt, he would love to see you, I'm sure. Absolutely. Stop uh, by the abode for, for some Halloween fun. Yes, I'll be here, Always too. Always a good time. You can come meet me if you want, and I'll be the uh, uh, the drunkest guy at the place. Uh, I, I think you're going to have a hard time beating me up. <laughs> That's, uh, but towards the end of the night, I have a lot of responsibilities before then. We've got a lot to do. Right. It's just hundreds and hundreds of people go through. It's just ridiculous. I've it already got... Obnoxious. You saw that pile of candy downstairs, and they're oh all full-size God. candy bars. It is a fucking castle of candy. And it's, a, it's a massive pile. Full-size candy bars, because you want to be that house. You want to be the ones that the kids always remember. wanted to be, and I am now, and I'm kind of regretting it. Not really, but <laughs> it's very expensive, but it's very, very fun just to see the line out the door of all the kids coming down and everybody enjoying the, the Halloween decorations and all the work that we put into it. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of full-size candy bars, and uh, we've got hundreds of uh, 50 mils for the adults. Mm-hmm. We've got the shots, the alcoholic shots, uh, all sorts of fun stuff to do. Yeah. So, yeah. So, everybody come on down. Come on down to the Think Drink Disney house, the Halloween house, and, and have a good time. Uh, it's my favorite time of the year, and uh, we absolutely love it. We would love to see you. And so before we go, let's all thank Lance L for taking this adventure with us. And let me thank you all so much for listening. You are who we do it all for. So this week, I would like to send a special shout out to all of you spooky people out there who live Halloween every day, just like we do. This episode is for you. And just like that, our time together has come to an end. Thanks again for joining us and exploring the past, cast, present, and future of Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. We had an outstanding time and we hope you had one too. Let's do it again every other Tuesday. It really would mean the world to me if you would leave us a rating, review, comment, or thumbs up. Join us on the Think Drink Disney community Facebook page so that we can hear your voice. And for now, it's me, Matt G, reminding you all to learn from yesterday, drink responsibly today, and have a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. We did it! Wasn't it terrifying?